Hello, everyone, and welcome to Reaper the Spoils. I'm Mark Sullivan. I got it. I'm Delilah Lugo. And I'm Jason Kwasnicki. I missed my opportunity to make that joke in the episode uh, for the first game of the series, and I wasn't going to miss that opportunity again. So I know you, the audience, are so happy that I made that horrible, horrible pun. Uh, Reap the Spoils, or Reaper the Spoils, is a monthly spoiler cast where we play a game and we come back to this show and we talk to each other about that game and we spoil it. Spoiler alert, we spoil the game. Uh, if this is your, if you have not played the game that we're talking about, which is the title of the episode, and we'll tell you in a moment what that episode, what that game is, uh, if you have not played it, go pause the episode, go play the game, then come back, press play, and listen to us. Yeah. You haven't played Mass Effect 2. Are you even a gamer? Oh, come I guess. Oh, okay. Jason, what fucking game are we talking about today? It's Mass Effect 2. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> No, he's not. A lot of, it is a lot of, No, I meant not even a gamer. I wouldn't question. <laughs> hey, man, it was 2011. A lot of a lot of shit was coming out. 2010. Or 2010 a, lot of shit, I'm sorry. a lot of shit still was coming out around that time. I feel. Everybody was playing uh, Halo. Yeah, that was the era of Halo Three. Still, that was when it was at its apex. That was like early 360. Uh, when did Reach come out? I think Reach came out. In, was it Reach? In 2010. Yeah, because 3 came out in two, uh, 2007. Uh, I think Reach was 2010, wasn't it? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about Halo, although maybe someday. That could be a fun discussion. But today we're talking about Mass Effect 2, uh, Bioware's long anticip- or long-awaited sequel and much anticipated by the gaming community uh, to the original Mass Effect, which we talked about, I think, in January. So, if you haven't played Mass Effect um go play go play mass effect and listen to our episode on that and then come back and we'll play mass effect 2 and then come back and listen to our episode here on mass effect 2 all right shall we uh is there anything else that i usually bring up at the beginning of the show or do we just get right into the history lesson I think we got let's do the history three. lesson yeah let's get to the history let's lesson all right blow the dust off these books almost a decade old these ancient tale. homes yeah these dusty old things. All right. Um, Mass Effect 2 history lesson is, uh, you know, keep it brief. It was directed by Casey Hudson. Once again, Casey Hudson taking the helm. Uh, he was also the uh, director of Mass Effect 1. And it was written by not only Drew Carpishan, but also Mac Walters this time. Drew Carpishan, we talked about, uh, was the writer on the first game and also wrote a few of the Mass Effect novels, which mm-hmm. since we talked about the first game and those novels, I have not read them. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hear they're pretty cool, pretty good supplemental materials. If you really like Mass Effect, uh, I, I hear that they're worth a read. Maybe one day I'll get to that. Right. Uh, same with the comic series. I hear the comic series is pretty cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, they also Mass write Effect... their own like indie sci-fi novels as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like before and since. Mm hmm. Uh, but anyway, Mass Effect 2 was released on January 26th, 2010 for the Xbox 360 and PC. Uh, it came out a year later for the PlayStation 3 on January 18th, 2011. And then, of course, we got the Legendary Edition on May 14th, 2021, almost or just over a year ago, uh, which is the version that I think all of us just played for this show. But I don't mm-hmm. think Mass Effect 2 had as many drastic changes from its original iteration as Mass Effect 1 did. So 
those should no. be much closer and much more one-to-one with each other than Mass Effect 1 was. Yeah, from my understanding, Mass Effect 2 and 3 on that collection were basically just graphical overalls with minor yeah. balancing and very very minimal changes were made to gameplay. Right. One one definitely needed more work than uh than two or three did. Um so yeah, that that's our history lesson. I like to keep it brief, short. Uh also an interesting thing about the PS3 version, since the P this was the first one to come out on PS3, they didn't get one initially. Uh there was a DLC called Genesis which is still in this version of the game. And you, even if you played Mass Effect 1, you could still view it just to see your decisions kind of placed into a, a graphic novel. And it was a way for PS3 players to make the decisions in Mass Effect 1 that would then carry into their Mass Effect 2 save. It's cool. It's, it's a, I, I think it's an awesome way of doing it much better than not to castigate the game because I think it's great. But in The Witcher 3, you get asked these like, in the beginning of the game, these really awkward expositional questions by characters in the game to kind of decide what you did in the other Witcher games. It's mm, weird. Okay, okay. That's so the originals weird. didn't have that import feature, right? I guess they couldn't. Well, yeah. no, they did. Oh, oh, wait, we're talking about Mass Effect, right? Yeah. No, they did. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. For, it's just for P- the PS3 version, since they didn't have, since Mass Effect 1 didn't exist right. when Mass Effect 2 came it, out. It was an exclusive PS3. to Xbox, yeah, or okay. 360, yeah. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, 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 put, they put out that Genesis DLC so that the PS3 players starting Mass Effect 2 could, like, insert those decisions that would then uh, permeate in some of the pl- plot points of Mass Effect 2. And then, obviously, eventually, Mass Effect One did come to PS3 with the trilogy, the trilogy, the trilogy yeah. set. Um, so you, they could play them and then import the save forward. But like the Genesis, the Genesis, like gra- a visual or um, ver- digital, Jesus, digital graphic novel, uh, de- decision maker kind of thing was just a neat way of getting around it and also stylistically doing it. Sorry, I'm trying to kill a gnat. Did you get one? No, yeah. <laughs> I'm not having any luck. Um, it is entertaining for us who can see the video feed of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, are we ready to just jump, get get into uh, into Mass Effect Two? Let's do it. Yeah, let's start with that. I I, I don't want to start with the ending uh, immediately. I actually want to start with the opening because this really took me by surprise. I didn't expect Shepard to just up and die within the first <laughs> ten minutes of the game, right? <laughs> It's a really cool opening, yeah. It, it was, was it was pretty cool. Um, like it, it it was pretty cool. Like suddenly there's this there's this mysterious ship while they're like they're flying around trying to take out any additional geth, and some mysterious ship just shows up and blows up the fucking Normandy. It's and, also like, a really smart way because if you remember, uh, in Mass Effect One, the only stuff you really get about Cerberus is that you're going around fucking killing these terrorists. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really clever way of of basically putting Shepard on that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird because I I knew I knew I remembered Cerberus from the first game, but I couldn't quite place how. So shout out to my buddy Alex, Mass mm-hmm. Effect guru, has been asking me to play these games forever. He listened to the show. Love you, buddy. Um, yeah, I, I had to ask him. I had to text him and be like, "Yeah, who the fuck is Cerberus again?" <laughs> I don't fucking remember. Yeah, I remember them just being it's Martin Sheen. Like bad guys. It's Martin Sheen, man. 
Wait, is is Martin Sheen the elusive man? Yeah. Really? You didn't know that? No, I didn't realize that. <laughs> Holy, wait, hold on. I'm gonna looking this up on the spot. I don't believe you. I do believe you, but I need I need visual confirmation. I need to look at Martin Sheen. Oh man. <laughs> that does kind of look like the elusive man. Video games, look at that. It's the elusive <laughs> man, Martin Sheen. That's fucking crazy. How did I go through that whole game without realizing that's Martin Sheen? That man is 81 years old now. Can you believe that? All right, anyway. He also looks just like a generic dude. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's like... A generic business dude. Yeah, he's just... Yeah, he does kind of look like a generic business white dude, but like... It's funny you say that when, like... like his face a little bit. It's Martin funny you Sheen. say that when in the movie Wall Street his whole role as a father is like telling his son not to get into business and <laughs> like stocks and stuff. <laughs> he's, also a, he's also an apocalypse now. Fucking yeah. The soldier. Um, but yeah, that, it, you're, you're right, Jason. It was a, it was a cool way. It, it, it like, there was a lot of whiplash in that opening, right? Like suddenly, like within the first 10 minutes, Shepard dies. And then moments later, he's brought back by Cerberus, this, this kind of antagonistic, force not even like in the main plot but pretty much all relegated to side quests in the first game yeah so it's like if you didn't do side content you would have no idea who the fuck cerberus is right which i think is why i was like wait a second like i know cerberus but why do i know cerberus Mm -hmm. and i needed that reminder and i'm like really this is now like this is now part of the main plot that's really interesting it's a really bold choice um and then, yeah, like getting reacclimated to just like the gameplay and stuff in that opening section, and, like on the on the Cerberus uh, ship was was fine. Getting uh, introduced to some of the characters, Jacob and Miranda, namely, uh, was pretty cool. But I, yeah, I just wanted to bring up Shepard dying within the first ten minutes was like not what I expected yeah, at great. all. It's yeah, so it's also just the scene on its own is just also very well done in terms of the tension using Joker as kind of that linchpin, because he's kind of that he's he's almost like a Chewbacca character, except he actually has a you understand what I'm saying though. He he actually has a voice. You can understand what he's saying and he has a, Are you fucking a discernible Chewbacca a discernible, doesn't have a voice? I, no, I'm saying you have no idea you have no idea what he's saying. You only get reactions through Han Solo. Yeah. What no, I'm no. saying is but at any point during the game, you can go and talk with Joker, and he's got—he's fucking Seth Green. He's got a personality, and you know, and having that character that you already have a—if you played the first game, that is—have a tangible relationship to. Speaking it, of which, can we have a moment of silence for Seth Green's uh, board ape NFTs getting stolen? <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to have a moment of silence. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Um, I just want to bring it up because I find it absolutely hilarious. Anyway, I didn't even know. <laughs> Carry on, Jason. <laughs> no, all I was saying was they they did a good job of having that tension build up. Where you know, and obviously Joker can't walk, or he walks very poorly. He has to be ever. very careful. Yeah, he's got like avian bone syndrome. I right. don't actually remember what his condition is. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but basically, just... flying is like his main form of movement, which is why he's a pilot. Yeah, yeah. That's how he travels. Mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah we can talk about joker briefly like i guess they didn't really need to well no we'll, we'll table we'll table joker for now because there, there is something later in the game that i do want to talk about 
mm-hmm. um, another uh, thing that took me by surprise. But let's talk about now. Uh, talk speaking of Whiplash, let's go from the opening of the game to the final mission, uh, suicide mission. Let's just talk that through real quick, just because I before we get into the individual characters, because that's really where the meat of this game lies. Um, who? wound up uh how, how did the suicide mission go for you who wound up dying um how did it function narratively uh because i i this game does a really interesting thing where you f- you know the end goal within the first few hours like you know what the final mission is going to be who the final enemy is going to be and the whole game is spent building a team to go and do that final that final mission and i find that to be so interesting narratively um because it kind of makes it so that you get you get what you get out of the game based on what you decide to go do. Yeah, There's so a, much content a, that you could just not do. I, I agree with that, but at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because it kind of makes the main story missions a little lamer than everything else. It depends on what you classify a main story mission because to me i mean you have to do all you have to recruit all the people uh uh, 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 or all the crewmates like you have to do that right you can't yeah you can't skip those or at least not all of them like you have to do the vast majority of them it's the loyalty missions that you don't have to do yeah but like that those are the best part of the game so like why wouldn't you want to do that and they're also under like the main mission part of your journal so it's like the game, like you don't have to do them, but the game is like, ah, eh, but you really should. I guess, I guess the best way to describe it, it's almost, it's almost like uh, it's structured like a season of television, but an episodic season, which and it makes sense. It, it's very much structured like an old season of Star Trek, where you might have an arc that goes throughout an entire season, but every episode is, is which I guess you could call like the loyalty missions or the recruiting missions, is its own self-contained story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and has its own like lore to it that is relevant to it, depending on wh- whatever faction or planet you're on, you know what have you. Um, I just uh, it I feel like um, knowing the end game is it, while it does allow for that awesome ep- episodic storytelling on one hand, on the other hand, it somewhat diminishes that main plot compared to kind of the mystery you had in the first one where you're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah, but it's not a huge, it's not a huge thing because ultimately I think it does better service the actual gameplay and the choices players make, like you said, as to how they want to play the game, how they want to invest in it and which episodes they want to take on. But I also do go ahead, Delilah. No, I was just going to say the reason why I actually like it is because I don't feel like, Although the loyalty missions can seem, like you said, like a self-contained episode, I feel like with those characters that you're learning their story, you're still learning about like the bigger picture and like all the world building is within the characters that you meet. Right. That's where you learn the most of it or that's where you connect to it because you do have like data and stuff that you can read, but that's where you actually like actually like absorb all of the lore the lore and the world building and although it has no impact at the end of the day at like the end game like what you're gonna have to face anyway i i still feel like the more interesting part about the mass fix as a series is is the world building mm-hmm. um, as we'll come to see in, in the last game which i won't i won't talk about but <laughs> yeah uh i i am basically completely blind to mass effect 3 
uh, save for just just all the only thing I know is that the ending was at launch was very controversial. I don't even know why. So I am for for me and for the listeners that who may also not have played Mass Effect three yet. Let's let's try to avoid Mass yeah, Effect. Yeah, no, 3's I'm I'm avoiding. I'm just saying, like I know, like, even for this game, like and the the whole series, like the end may be the end, but like yeah me and potatoes of this game is literally the characters and yeah. the world tell the world I, building I, I the think delilah i think delilah hits the nail on the head when she says like the world building associated with each of those episodic character stories because essentially you could sum up the plot of this game it's basically mass effect 2's plot is the build-up to mass effect 3 yeah yeah i guess and it's such an interesting way to think about to think about it that way because one one thing i knew going into the series from the start is that two ends with the with with the suicide mission and that's like you know renowned as like one of the coolest fucking things about it and it's it's interesting to now have played mass effect 2 and hear like mass effect 2's story is kind of eh it's just like a lead up to three but like I've only ever heard that like Mass Effect 2 is this really epic, awesome game that like a lot of people adore. And it's for a lot of people, it's their favorite in the series. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting to now have entered that discourse, entered that conversation and hear something different than I feel like I've always heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to before we get into the character and we're going to ta- well, let's uh, thinking back on it. Let's table who how the suicide mission actually went for all of us at, until after we talk about the characters. Um, because they're so they're so uh, heavily and intrinsically tied to one another. I think it's best we talk about the characters first and then go into the end result. Um, I do want to I do want to say that like there were still some pretty big uh, story revelations and moments outside of those character stories, outside of the, the recruitment and loyalty missions, uh, like the collectors. This this new this new antagonist that's kind of replaced the Geth as the uh, as the Reapers uh pawn so to speak they're the protheans right didn't see that coming no that was pretty fucking interesting and i and i i really appreciated it because i was once again like uh like a few things that popped up in mass effect one i was kind of thinking like the collectors that's kind of a lame name for an entire (laughs) alien race it's it's just a replacement name for what they really are which is the protheans this this ancient race that exists they're space boogeymen yeah okay well sure but like it's still interesting like everyone wonders like or everyone thought the the reapers wiped them out mm-hmm. you know what was it five thousand years ago or whenever is it five thousand years at the re whenever the reapers uh press the reset button five thousand ten thousand it's, counting? A, Who's it's counting? a long amount of time it's a it's a it's a really long amount of time um but like we thought they wiped them out. No, here they are. They're just indoctrinated and, and under the Reaper's control doing their bidding for them and collecting humans. And we'll get into the reasoning for that, too. I, but I thought that was a really surprise, uh, a really surprise twist that I wasn't expecting. Um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, yeah, do we want to talk about the uh... <laughs> got one? Nice. GG. <laughs> R.I.P. Net. One down, Christ. one to go. Son of a bitch. All right. Uh, do we want to jump into talking about the uh, the characters? Yeah, let's do it. 
Yeah, like kind of have to because that's the way the game is kind of the story yeah. is kind of laid out. Yeah, and this is going to be the bulk of the episode too. I feel because like when we get when we get down to the gameplay section, it's it's really Mass Effect One with differences that we'll talk through. But like we don't have to go as in depth. If you want to hear like our thoughts on like the main core Mass Effect gameplay, go listen to our Mass Effect One episode. But okay, uh, let's start with the first the first guy we really meet, and that's uh, that's Jacob Jacob Taylor. He's a he's a dude that works for Cerberus. He's like kind of just like the generic soldier, kind of taking the place of like Kaiden and <laughs> and, uh, and and Ashley. Kind of. Um, did what did you guys think of Jacob? He's a slightly more interesting Kaiden, which isn't saying much. Yeah. Um, he's kind of boring, um, unfortunately, but he does feel like down to earth like he like he his character specifically made me be like well maybe Cerberus isn't so bad besides the fact that they brought Shepard back to life you know like yeah but I, you know and we'll get into like how I felt about Cerberus period but he he was the one character that I was like he seems like just like a like a trustworthy guy who's just worried about family you know so how could he like be working for a company that has bad intentions um, that yeah. was the most interesting part about his because of Martin Sheen's sultry voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Jason, any any thoughts of yours on uh, on yeah, on, I, on Jacob? I agree pretty much uh, with what Delilah just said. Uh, I and I kind of felt bad. He felt like the character that got the most shortchanged. Yeah, which which you know, I kind of expected because like as opposed to pretty much everybody else in the party, there's no real interesting backstory given to him. I mean, obviously there's the stuff with his dad, which we'll talk about, but uh, as for him himself, he's just a dude working for Cerberus. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's get into his loyalty because like, yeah, not to, I kind of agree. Um, I, I just, in my, from my view of all these characters we're looking at the names of right now, he was the least interesting yeah. Even even when you com- uh, add in the DLC characters, I found him to be the least interesting. Oh yeah. Um, and you know he's the first character you meet, and yeah, he is kind of uh, a parallel of Kaiden and Ashley. And you know, if we if you go back to our episode on Mass Effect One, I I didn't find Kaiden to be that interesting of a character either. Um, it did, and uh, the only reason I I had more of an opinion on Ashley was just because of her of her uh. Uh, views on other alien races mm-hmm. um being being a little uh, negative but J- jacob is just kind of he's just yeah he just comes off as a generic soldier guy obviously he has this whole beef with the, or thing with his dad and that's his loyalty mission is we have to go find the ship that or we f- we find and go investigate the ship that his dad was on crash landed on a planet we go and investigate what did you guys think of that mission uh, I actually thought it was pretty cool, um, despite, like, and I wasn't anticipating, like, it definitely wasn't up there with, like, the best loyalty missions in the game. Yeah. But considering the nature of Jacob and his character, as we just kind of laid out, I wasn't expecting to get as much out of his loyalty mission as I did. I thought the concept was pretty neat. And this idea, um, essentially him being not betrayed but uh his father was essentially kind of a false idol yeah both both literally and for jacob mentally psychologically i should say 
it's been a while since I played the game, but if I'm not mistaken, he, he, he like all of the people in that place got that where you do the loyalty mission got sick, right? Because he was like saving himself. Am I? Yes, bas- basically, okay. basically they became like animals, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like he utilized his position to take control and basically use them as a shield to keep himself right to keep survive. basically yeah. mass effects version of lord of the flies but with yeah adults. yeah basically um, or i guess i guess like mass effects version of of lost maybe Thank maybe you. lost is a better uh is a better analogy um uh, except for that all the weird supernatural shit um yeah but in effect that made his father interesting <laughs> not him so like he was just upset about it like he thought right, his father yeah. was like this hero and this leader and he turned out to just be selfish yeah and it's yeah. clever it's clever writing like like i said false idol on tundra both literally and because they they worship him the people that like freak out or whatever it is they, I, guess, I forget the exact explanation i guess i would have found it all much more interesting if the character involved with the mission wasn't such a like kind of a wet blanket right i i i didn't i didn't hate jacob i just didn't have he's like hiding i didn't have much of an opinion on him at all and um that kind of i like made me not like use the character very often and and on missions and just didn't care much for him uh by the end and it almost seems like at times he's just there to be uh another romance option for femship like (laughs) He was real yeah. easy too. He was as easy as Liara. Like he just offered himself right away. I was like, "Bro, I, I just met you, and you're please like, please take me, use me. me the option. <laughs> I'm yours." Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's. I guess let's talk about the. We're talking romance. Obvious romance options. Let's talk about the next. The next uh, obvious one, Miranda. Yo, fuck um, her. I was trying so hard to get her. All right. So let me just preface this by saying. <laughs> Since Wait, I was femship or? N- no, so oh, okay. Wait, I, you were, but you were femship in Mass Effect One. You I was, I was. I, I decided to change to male because I basically wanted to play, continue playing the game. I wanted to continue with being renegade, like I was. Um, right. Although I did some Paragon stuff because I wanted a little bit like a renegade, but with like a there's a little bit of heart of gold in there. Renegade, but, but with the soft side. But my primary focus of this playthrough was seeing how many people I could have sex with. So, and I was, and I was so mad. I could, I only hit two because I I messed up. I would have had three, but Miranda, man, I don't know what I did that set her off that I couldn't romance her. But she, because every, after every single mission, I would go back to her fucking office and she'd be like, yeah, I'm busy. I got work to do. I'm like, fuck you. I think you can't start romancing someone until you do their loyalty mission, and then you can go. No, back I, I did. Them. I did it like first opportunity. So like a, after which, and I, and I'm pretty sure I chose the right dialogue option for the specific scene where she gets in a fight with um, Jack. Uh, Jack, yeah, yeah, who I slept with. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think if I if I I've, I think I read that Jack is like really easy to because you're, yeah. it's not really romancing. You can no, just like have no. sex with her. Yeah, you basically just go down and you choose a safe word and then you beat each other up for a bit and then have sex. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like Jack. We'll talk about Jack soon. Uh, but okay, Miranda, <laughs> besides trying to have sex with her and failing, what did you guys think of Miranda? Uh, I like that they um, 
I like that it's kind of like a, a what do you call it? I don't know the word I'm looking for. Uh, basically, they set her up in the beginning as she's just a straight-faced right-hand man to the elusive man, mm-hmm. uh, or right-hand woman in this case. Um, but then there's a very layered... Um, you see, you start to see as, especially after you do her loyalty mission, a, a lack of confidence in herself. Um, yeah. Especially when looking at you, and there's almost jealousy there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, her character arc was pretty interesting because she starts off, um, like you don't know whether to trust Cerberus or not, and you're very, you, you very much question that, and she doesn't know whether or not to trust you. Mm-hmm despite being the one that led the project to bring you back to life, like she's very apprehensive and uh, kind of untrusting of, of Shepard, which um, I thought, I thought was interesting for her to develop into a character that uh, trusts Shepard, you know, so much, even as to like have him come and on the loyalty mission, have him uh, or her, I guess. I think Delilah. It was a, yeah, just quick check in. You played as a female Shepherd Paragon, yeah. right? On your first playthrough, at least. On all three, yeah. Okay. Um, and I, once again, I was male Shepherd Paragon. Um, and we'll carry that into Mass Effect 2. So just wanted to do that quick check in on, on who we were. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like M- Miranda, her, her loyalty mission I thought was pretty cool. Um, she has a twin sister. And apparently not really a twin, like, at birth, just a twin genetically. Yeah. Um, she's, in fact, younger, which... And that's where that kind of inferiority complex comes from, is the fact that she's created... She was created by yeah, her and you know quote-unquote father. I thought that... The, I thought that... Like, Miranda as a character was fine. I, I have a, a couple issues with the way some characters are uh, designed and portrayed, like in their appearance because Miranda's backstory was just so fucking stupid to me where she's like, I was created as a perfect being (laughs) like down to my, my body and my physique. And like, she's wearing this very skin tight suit. That's really accentuating her large breasts and ass. And apparently like the original mass effect Two. Um, they fixed this with this with like the legendary edition, but the original cutscenes and the original release fixated a lot unnecessarily on her ass. Yes, yeah. which was something that like a lot of people obviously had issues with, and I and I'm and I'm just like thinking, knowing that and hearing her describe her character and kind of explain her backstory, I'm like, this is really weird and kind of gross. Yeah, like her quote unquote father created her to have a big ass and big tits, right? <laughs> basically perfect that's kind of like how she was describing herself and the project that made her and i'm just like that's such a fucking weird backstory to have and but honestly truthfully and this is kind of an issue i have with like mass effect as a whole is that all the character character bodies specifically the females with the exception of someone in mass effect 3 um they have the same bodies, including Miranda. If you put like a different outfit on her, her her body doesn't look any different from Femshep or like any of the other right. characters. Yeah. Like they all have like the same exact body type. It's just what she was wearing that made it seem a little more like you know. right, right. And to be fair to her background story, it's specifically because of what her purpose was supposed to be. Was like she was meant to do what she does be 
a spy, an infiltrator. Yeah. Like, and that, that part, that aspect I did like, and I did enjoy. It's just like, like hearing her describe that and like how her physique looks and knowing like about all the cutscenes in the original release, like fixating very, very keenly on her, you know, her, her rear end was just like, wow, this is kind of sick. It's a little this sick. Is, this is kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, fi- fixed in the legendary edition. We don't get, we don't get lots of like a, a ton of camera angles fixated on her butt this time, but like, it's still just like really weird. Um, but like, I overall like her character a lot. Um, and her, her loyalty mission was really cool. Having to like, there were lots of twists. She trusted someone from her youth and mm. they kind of betrayed her. Mm-hmm. And, after you handle that whole situation like she go you can did you have her um did you guys have her i assume both you did the mission yeah. mm-hmm. um did you have her go like talk her into going to talk to her sister or not talk to her sister i think i encouraged her to talk to her sister yeah um shit i can't remember i don't think i did oh man yeah, she yeah really no. Cared. She really cared about her. Like she didn't yeah. really seem to care about anyone. Although... I think I, I think I didn't because like there's the re- the renegade option is like realistically um, because they, they didn't want the possibility of like another breach of security, somebody finding her out, like her mm. sister knowing that she's looking over or whatever. Mm, okay. All right. Well, yeah, I, I, I encouraged her to go talk to her and it was like a, it was a sweet moment when she came back and, and, you know, she was, she was pretty happy about it and her sister seemed happy. And yeah, I, I, I liked that mission quite a bit. Uh, refresh my memory. I, I played this a while ago, by the yeah. way, for the listeners. So I, I will be requesting a lot of refreshing. Um, but she like with Jacob at a, at a certain point, like I felt like they had a romance, like, no, I think so. No, no they, they, they were just like, they were just both Cerberus, uh, Cerberus people. So yeah, he's actually kind of distrustful of her a lot. Although maybe in supplemental material, they did have a relationship at one point and that's yeah, why, that's but throughout most of the game, a lot of the choices you make is actually Jacob and Miranda arguing over what they should do. I think I think that and that kind of comes down to just like Jacob is more someone hired by Cerberus. Miranda is much deeper in the weeds mm-hmm. and reports much more directly and closely to the elusive man. Right. Um, so I think I think that's kind of where that disconnect comes from. Yeah. Um, let's talk about I, my, my boy that I was so giddy and so happy when they were describing Archangel and we had to go find Archangel and I'm just sitting here like as they're describing oh him God, and talking I about him, this. I'm like, yo, this is going to be Garrus. I it's love getting this. closer. I'm like, this is going to be fucking Garrus. And sure enough, I get to him. It's my boy Garrus. <laughs> I yeah. honestly had no idea it was going to be Garrus until I saw like his armor. And I was yeah. like, oh. So I was cool. I was so happy. I was right about that. I was so excited. Yeah, and like, oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully you played Mass Effect 1 and, you know, you played this game. And so you're not like totally lost on who Garrus is. Garrus is one of your companions from Mass Effect 1. And man, like the banter between him and Shepard. Perfect. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Yeah. Mm um like like at one point he's talking about like how he got how he got shot and like kind of like hit on like his face a little bit mm-hmm. and like yeah. you, you can bring that up and he's like oh, i'm still better looking than you someone's got to get the girls or whatever something something along those lines and i was like oh, yeah this is perfect i love Garris this so much. has some of the best 
dialogue in yeah. the entire series. Well, specifically Mass Effect two and three. It just mm-hmm. and it just gets better and better. Yeah, but like his, it's it's so interesting to have a returning character, but suddenly have like such a. It's not so much backstory as it is what he's been up to the past two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's kind of become almost like a vigilante. Um, kind of. You know, he he went to Omega. Space, and... He's space Batman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's space Batman. Oh there you go. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. Like his whole his whole loyalty mission is about taking revenge on the 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 guy that he thinks uh uh snitched on his squad and got them all killed. And I don't remember that. I don't remember the character's name. But like he he wants to take revenge. He wants to he wants to kill him and make him pay for what he did. And you find out that like it it's not how it seemed. And like so with with regards to that mission, did you guys? allow garris to take his revenge or did you protect the guy and make sure that uh garris heard his side of the story and potentially let him go i don't know killed him really of course you did i had i had to because i was doing renegade Renegade, yeah yeah i i wanted to hear his side of the story yeah it actually turned out to be pretty tender yeah it was uh and 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 garris was even thank you know you still get loyalty and because garris is like thank thank you for you know for for kind of talking me down and and getting me you know getting me through that whole thing and convincing him otherwise you know wait i think uh, i think i might have done the op i think there is an option to have him tell the story and still kill him which i think i did yeah you can still after he tells everything you can still let garris take his revenge if if uh if you want but like um i think you can i think you can have let garris just kill him before he even gets to talk mm-hmm. or or i'm pretty because i'm pretty sure i heard yeah that story yeah but yeah i i was so happy to have garris back in yeah. in the crew um what 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 a, what a great character i i really genuinely love garris another great character another really really great character in my opinion uh morden hmm. yeah um let's talk about morden he you know and, and i thought the 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 mission to to recruit him was also really cool how like there's a there's a whole area of omega that's quarantined and uh only affecting alien races and he's down there trying to like develop a cure right um i thought that was really i thought that was a really cool mission um yeah i mean what are your guys' thoughts on morden um well, funnily enough, at one point, just because I was talking with all the, the characters so much, just to try to make sure I didn't miss any like dialogue options. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Morden made a comment, or more, yeah, Morden made a comment that like uh, he was like apologizing. He's like, "Sorry, I am not sexually attracted to you," because I think it's like a joke that the developers put in the game to if you were like trying to romance, so like like a fourth wall breaking moment about. Uh-huh romancing in the mass effect series yeah um but as a character no i mean i don't know i i feel like his mission to get him was interesting and his loyalty mission was interesting but like generally speaking i didn't feel like he played much of a role which i was actually kind of disappointed because he he is an interesting character well i think Go ahead, Delilah. I was just gonna say, what's interesting about him is his relationship to the Krogan and kind of like right. his purpose, like as a Salarian, was to like stop the Krogan from like reproducing so that they don't like 
get so powerful that they like kill everyone. Well, it's to like slow the rate. That's what, like the twist that you find out in this game, I guess. I don't remember if it was if it was ever mentioned in Mass Effect One, but what Morden tells you in this game is that it wasn't to stop them from reproducing. It was just to control the population level. So basically, like it, they're not completely infertile. It's just micromanaged by other alien species, right? And um, just like seeing like seeing him come around when you're kind of talking him down and saying like, this is like kind of wrong and just him seeing like what the results of the research is that he's doing and like having a reaction to it, I thought was really cool. Uh, Other than that, he's like a nasally, like, you know, like smart, you know, I just love how it's funny. It's funny the way you guys talk about that because you guys both did Paragon, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, on like everything. Yeah. So like I when it comes to like the the genophage and everything, I'm like, oh, oh cool. The genophage, cool. You do you, bro. Like <laughs> Oh, as a renegade, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But like I, I really like Morden, like his personality. He's he speaks very quickly and very concisely, and I really liked that. It gave it gave him a, a very unique uh personality to talk to and, and hear things from. And everything that comes out of his mouth is logical, even when he's trying to compute, like, emotions. And then when he finally just leads into the emotions, it's just so, like, yeah, it's like, you, like there's development there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when it came to his loyalty mission, did you guys... What's the what's the choice there? You can either delete the data, the, the research that the, uh, the other guy was working on with the genophage, or you can keep it. What, do you remember what you chose? I think I destroyed it. Because I felt like somebody was going to use it for bad or something like that. Because, like, the research was on how... Because the guy that you hunt down, again, when it comes to missions... There's another like, Solarian, I think, right? Yeah, I just can't yes. remember names uh, as clearly just because, you know, there, there's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I, he... That that Solarian was very remorseful and kind of developed a cure for the genophage. And that was the, what that rollout research was. And I think the paragon choice was to destroy it and i that must have been what i chose to destroy um, the cure of the genophage the the research on on curing the genophage hmm. because i think the logic behind that was that it would it, it like delilah said it could get into the wrong hands and uh and and kind of be a recreation of the of the situation all over again um I think that was the Paragon option, and I think that's what I chose. I, I might have chose. I might. I think I chose the same thing because my logic would have been fuck Renegade Paragon. It, I didn't want to do something that would inadvert because, like, there are several points in throughout the games that you can piss off Rex. Um, yeah. So I didn't want to like do something that would kick Rex out of the party at some point. Yeah, I think. Um... The, the reason why it was quote unquote a paragon choice is because the research that was being conducted was actually harming. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Like, it's so, it's so hard because there's so many missions where you're going through similar look, similarly looking levels and they have yeah. somewhat similar circumstances, like some kind of disease or like radiation or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, audience, bear with us if if you're screaming at your phone or whatever device <laughs> yeah. you're listening to the show on, and we're getting stuff wrong. Like, there's a lot to this game with the characters, and like in Delilah's case, she played it months ago, so we're trying our best here. And this was the first game 
I think of this podcast ever that I beat before Mark. And not only that, these two. No, that's not true. You beat Forbidden West before I did. Oh, maybe. Okay. But in addition to that, this I don't care about trophies at all. These guys are obsessed with trophies. I almost platinumed this game. I did. I I did look at your trophy list. You came very close. Yes, and I wasn't even trying. So, um, hell yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're right though. It it was. It was. uh, It was because the 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 experiments that were going into the research were very uh, inhumane. Yeah, they were. They were causing lots of uh, uh, Krogan. Uh, turmoil and suffering yeah so yes good 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 remembering good call um that was the situation there uh but yeah i you know it's it's kind of ironic as much as i loved morden as a character i i feel like his loyalty mission is one of the ones that i uh kind of forgot a lot about it also depends like what order you do them in i did i did his early on because you get you get him early on yeah yeah I just remember I like I like that he felt bad about what he saw that the, how the Krogans were being treated with the experiments that they were conducting his race was conducting. Yeah. Yeah. So good character on Morden. Let's talk about another uh, overall. I would say a good character. Let's talk about Jack. Um, the I I, I thought that the the recruitment mission for Jack was really cool, especially because a name like Jack you typically associate with uh. Mm-hmm with a, a, a as a as a male and you finally come across jack and it's in fact a female uh biotic uh convict i think that as they refer to her within the game the biotic convict as a as the party member but um yeah really uh wild and 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 badass character uh i th- i thought what did you guys think of jack I thought she was a good addition. I, I really, that was one of the more memorable loyalty missions um, for me, just because I, I liked the more subdued nature of it, more kind of yeah. Jack questioning. I mean, her character, for the most part, is portrayed pretty straightforward. She is a erratic rogue that doesn't work with anybody. And then kind of her entire perception of her past, everything that happened to her, is completely flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah she... I think her backstory makes total sense why she's so rough around the edges and so mm-hmm. distrustful. And, uh, yeah, I liked and, her. She's uh, fine. Yeah, I, I liked her recruitment mission because you know you, you're kind of tricked into thinking that you're that you're just gonna pay and take her with you. And they try they actually try to trap Shepard, mm-hmm. claiming that you know whatever we whatever we can get for having you would be way more than you could give us for this person Her, so yeah we're gonna we're gonna try to trap you and that did not fucking work out right um but i thought that was a cool recruitment mission and then yeah the, the loyalty mission was also neat because because like you said delilah it was much more subdued and and uh you you kind of find out the truth what you thought was what she thought was the truth all this time was was not quite so did you guys um spare the one guy that was there. I can't remember who he was, but oh hell no, no you can't. Well, yeah, okay, you're a renegade. I, I guess it's kind of silly to ask these questions when like you either play Paragon or Renegade, and like the choices are pretty obvious for which one. Not always. Sometimes I yeah, I, I, I question why something's Renegade, why something's Paragon. Yeah. Um, I guess true. no matter what, I'm still gonna ask. So yeah, it doesn't really matter. 
It's a lot. Did you I've spare him? Did you let him go? I don't actually remember that, but I'm thinking of how I played this game. I probably spared him. Okay. If I could. And it was pretty cool watching the the watching the uh, the facility blow up as we're flying away in the yeah. in the uh, shuttle. That was a pretty cool scene. Um, I think I really want to talk about with Jack once again. I thought I I I her visual design was just so stupid. <laughs> She's just like okay completely clad in tattoos mm-hmm. obviously like she's she's a, a badass woman she's mostly been like in prison for you know who god knows how long like that aspect of her design was really cool i'm talking about the stupid titty straps that are in no way practical especially with how much she's moving and jumping and like leaping around and stuff it's just dumb it's a really dumb design and I yeah, just don't I think get it. They tried to explain something related to like how she views sexuality or something like that. I don't know. I think there was like some dialogue there to explain why she dressed like that. Um, I can't remember exactly. I though. don't know if there, it, to me, it's another quiet situation. Oh, Which... that was just <laughs> Kojima being a fucking perv. But, but I think I think they're pretty similar, right? Like uh, Kojima, Ko, like with, with uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. For anyone that doesn't know, there's a character named Quiet who uh, doesn't speak and is 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 a sniper. Really, really cool character. Really badass. She's wearing a fucking like very skimpy bikini with just like some tights on and some combat boots. Well, and you're like forgetting. You're there's forgetting a, there's a in-lore reason for that. No, I know there is, and I'm not going to spoil it here. It's not a satisfying reason. No. The reason she's <laughs> just like that is just, huh? Here's the difference between Quiet and Jack. I see what you're saying, but the thing is, th- there was like a tacked-on reason for Quiet that I won't say that really is stupid. For Jack, yeah. it was more of an emotional, like I don't give a shit. Like I yes. you guess, know, and I'm gonna and, and 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 I'm gonna have to actually disagree. I love Jack's design; it's fucking metal as shit. No, okay. Once again, the only thing that really bothers me is is just the titty straps because, because it's I think not, it's because I think it's really sexy, stupid. Right? Jack's character no. is not sexy, whereas Quiet's was intended to be in a way. Like Jack's is right. meant to be like like I kind of look like a boy but also like my tits are out you know like and it's i don't know it's a little more like i don't give a shit yeah i guess it I, my 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 biggest beef though is just the practicality of it in that like they how how is that strap yeah. always staying over her nipples like it makes no sense yeah she's leaping around doing all sorts of badass biotic shit and yet somehow that thing is always there she's holding like, them up with the force or something I it doesn't you know? yeah like i guess yeah it, i mean if all they had to do was go ahead and say like oh like but jack, jack explains that like in a dialogue like well how the fuck does that does your titty strap stay over your nipples so so all the time oh i'm constantly using biotics to keep it in place like that's all they had to say and i would have felt way better about it but i still think it's really stupid yeah they yeah I, yeah, but I, I I get where you guys are coming from. Like it, she's she's not a traditionally sexy character, um, and like I like overall the tattoos and everything else with her design. I love. It's just the titty straps that make absolutely fucking lutely no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing I take issue with with her with her design. But I think it's dumb enough to bring up. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> That, that's i think that's it i think that's, that's all i have to say about jack i really like the character i like how blunt she is i love how 
um how how crude she can she can be um it's it's very much a, a, a different type of character than we've seen before in, in the series and i really appreciate that i really appreciate her for that but like i really love how she's like the only one that's chilling in the engine room and she's like i just want to be away from everyone at like the yeah. lowest depths of the normandy <laughs> and like the loudest room too because it's just like all the the engines going and whatnot yeah. and she's like no that's where i want to be that's mm-hmm. exactly where i want to be it's like oh okay well, well have fun yeah um yeah i i do i like i don't want i don't want you guys or the audience to think that i didn't like her character i really did i she was was probably up there as one of my favorite characters it's just her that the strap thing is just stupid yeah it's the only issue i really have um all right let's talk about uh let's talk about grunt another another perfect organism i'm just so like the krogan are my babies so i get so (laughs) like like attached to every single krogan that i meet and i just want to protect them even though they don't need to be protected it was also it was also very clever of the writers to have the the one character that has a i have to find myself archetype story and it's a krogan yeah and uh, but also talk about talking about a clever thing clever things from a writing perspective you don't go on that mission to recruit grunt yeah mm-hmm. you you go to recruit i don't remember that once again i don't remember the name of the krogan you go to recruit it's the scientist that made him right you go to recruit him and you you he he winds up dying during that mission I, if i recall um he winds up dying and you take the pod that's holding grunt with you and you don't even have to open it like you could you could take it decide no having a a a krogan that is freshly born and completely you know you don't know what he's gonna be like right um hostile or docile they say he's like the strongest krogan and you already know what the krogan are capable of so for him to be like the strongest is like kind of intimidating right yeah i like i mean he, he, he i wasn't i was kind of joking another perfect organism you know taking a a jab a jab at uh at uh miranda but like that's basically what he is like he was he was he was built in a test tube to be the ultimate krogan and the other and this goes back to what delilah was saying at the very beginning of our conversation about the story as a whole having him have the I have to find myself story was also a really clever way of throwing in all of well a allowing you to meet up with Rex again who isn't like a party member in the game but it's also a really clever way of having you go through all of this Krogan lore if you will yeah and all of this indirect exposition that's being relayed to you through the process of grunt kind of finding himself and establishing his place within the Krogan hierarchy society whatever so i guess i guess it goes without saying we all opened the pod and and let grunt out right oh yeah right i'm scared okay (laughs) they're my babies (laughs) (laughs) okay then yeah um on to chanka that that what did you guys think of that loyalty mission doing doing the krogan uh the, the 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 um it's like a an initiation ritual basically what did you guys think of that Oh, I love the whole mission, the lore. You learn so much about the society, and like, there's cool politicking within this politicking. This, 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 these clans of Krogan that Rex is trying to unite, and he's like the leader of the. I don't know what you would call it. 
the not the head clan, but like the peaceful clan that's willing to interact with other people. The Erdnot. Er- Erd- uh, yeah. Er- Erdnots. I don't remember the name of the antagon- the antagonistic clan that was also trying to uh, to court um, Grunt into joining. But uh, I I think I was talking to Alex after I did that mission. Oh, I think I just killed the other Nat guys. Let's go. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I don't think there's a way to avoid uh, killing the other the leader of the other clan. I think you you no matter what choices you make, you have to kill him. Mm. Which I thought was interesting. There was no there was no talking your way out of that one. He was always going to fight you yeah um which i thought was interesting but like kind of it kind of makes sense you know yeah he it seemed like he wasn't gonna he was either gonna take grunt or or nothing you know Uh, he was either gonna take take grunt or or die and you know there was no way he was taking grunt so yeah uh yeah before we move on from grunt can we talk about how awesome the reunion with rex was i just love rex i I don't know about you guys i i was cracking the fuck up i you go up you go up to where he is and he's in the middle of talking with someone and he looks over and sees you and he just gets up and leaves the conversation he's having and comes over starts shaking my hand like shepherd my friend and i'm like rex yeah. Oh my god! Well, it's also such an interesting context, like especially if you've just played the first one, where he's just like a fucking badass bounty hunter, and now yeah. he's a fucking politician. Like, yeah, and the lead, the, basically the head of his clan, and trying to veer it in the right direction. Oh god, I love Rex. Yeah, he's great. Also, um, this is where you learn about like female Krogan a little bit more. They start talking yes. about the plan, the female yeah. Krogan clan. They're basically all just trying to get that booty. <laughs> That's like the entire. Yeah. That's what all of the politics of Krogan fucking revolve around. Yeah, yes. they're very. Uh, yeah, it's 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 almost like they're they're. It's not to say that they're not like a uh, an intelligent or advanced species, but they are a little primitive in in that regard. Where well, it also has to do with the genophage, like right, yeah. right. I'm not saying it's not justified. It totally yeah. is when you consider the genophage and how how limited their their uh, reproductive ability is. Uh, it makes sense that they want to make sure that 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 the Krogan the Krogan species uh, stays afloat. Yeah. Um. It it uh, it is interesting. It's very interesting lore to uh, to dive into. Um. But yeah, the, the reunion with Rex made me so happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was that that mission was also a good opportunity to see the sandworm again because like mm-hmm. we didn't have that open like world stuff. Not open world, but like you know how you could explore each planet on one yeah. on the on the what was that vehicle the the Mako. The Mako, yeah. Mako. We didn't have like any Mako stuff here. Really. We will talk about the way that they handle that later. That's yeah, that's mis- something I want to talk about. From what I understand, that mission, well, the specific part where you fight the, the worm the was meant to be the Thresher Maw, yeah, was supposed to be kind of um, a jab at the, the Mako sections from the first game because people hated them so much. Hmm. yeah this game even made a joke i forget it might have been on the citadel where uh one person was like oh remember like uh, the back in the days when we had to use omni gel yeah i don't miss that or something like that i thought that was yeah yeah i i think i remember that that was that was funny (laughs) um okay so it's at this point in the game like we'll 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 halt on talking about characters real quick because after you recruit all the people we just talked about uh you get um 
you're able to go and do or you're you're asked and kind of forced into going to this colony called Horizon to uh to stop a, a collector invasion from taking the humans and you kind of you kind of wind up succeeding and also kind of wind up failing like i think ha- uh, a third of the humans get kidnapped by the collectors um but i really want to i bring this up because i assume if ashley survived in mass effect one this is where she would show up for yes. me it was for me it was kaiden yeah it's Ashley, so, yeah. So, okay, so you guys both had Ashley? Yeah. So how did that go down? Was she kind of pissy with you guys too? Yes, this is why well, I, I rage quit. Kaiden, I'm sorry, like you. This is why I rage quit Mass Effect 2 the first oh, time I played it. Because this is why. Because the first time I played it, because uh, back in the day, because um, I had romanced Ashley in the first game. and yeah. she, There's nothing you can do. Um, she never joins or reconciles in 2. Um, and I won't say anything else because that goes into three. Right. But um, uh, but yeah, she she doesn't like the fact that you're with Cerberus now, and that yeah. basically, no matter what you do, she not. I don't know if I would say, yeah, you could say break up. I guess I don't, I don't know. It's weird because depending on if you romance Ashley in the first game, and depending on the choices you make with relationships in the second game you'll have in your office space that you have upstairs where all like your collectibles go and you change yeah. outfits and whatnot. Uh, if you look closely on your desk, there'll be a picture of Ashley sitting there uh, throughout the entire game. If like, especially if you don't romance anybody else. And if you do romance somebody else, the picture gets turned. Down. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so cool. I didn't know that. For, and for me, it was Liara. Cause I romanced Liara in the first game. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with Liara. Yeah. Regardless, you had to break up, right? Because yes, it's forced. It's forced on yeah. you. No matter what happens, Ashley will be there on Horizon. If obviously, if Caden died and she survived, um, but no matter what happens, she doesn't come back to you in Mass Effect Two. So it's so it's the same thing. If uh, if Caden or Ashley are are, are uh, survive, they're both not happy that you're working for Cerberus and kind of chastise you for it. Basically, but, yeah. In the case of Ashley, if you romanced, well, I, you can romance Caden if you're if you're female Shepard, so yeah. it'd be the same thing the other way around. But that's interesting. Okay, I, I was. It just affects. Was, it just affects little details, and I think stuff in again we won't talk about it. But three. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, cool. That brings me to a question. I wonder what happens if you kill Rex in Mass Effect One. Um, if he's still like, I like who would yeah. be the leader of of their. I don't know because I never killed. Right? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it might just curious, be yeah. it might just be some no name Krogan um, that that you can't interact. I'm, I'm not actually sure. That's Maybe he question. doesn't actually die, and then he's like, ah, oh, like, who the fuck would kill Rex? Shepard, you yeah, motherfucker! You know, there's some people that are like afraid of the Krogan. Okay, and they suck. That's yeah, all. that's like killing Chewbacca, though. Oh wait. They wanted you to believe that happened for two minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's let I'm not getting into <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's get let's move on. That's another spoiler cast for another for a whole another day. <laughs> God. Can we never talk about that movie? Um Alright, so yeah, that, that was kind of like the end of I would say that was like the end of Act One, you know, doing that mission, and then you get more dossiers. So let's let's talk about best girl of this game. Of Really, Mass Effect One too, but you couldn't romance her then. 
Let's talk about Tally. <laughs> oh yeah. And you kind of do, you run into Tally. I, we didn't bring this up. Um, when you're kind of introduced to the collectors at the beginning of the game, you do uh, run into Tally on uh, the one planet you go to. The very first um, mission, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you you kind of, you guys kind of go your separate ways because she's got her priorities trying to, you know, help her people, the Quarians, and you've got your priority trying to figure there's out. Also a choice, humans. There's also a choice there, although it doesn't seem to have much, ra- I didn't really experiment with it. But as far as I know, it doesn't have much impact um, on your relationship with Tally. Um, there's that guy, that other Quarian who goes crazy, yeah. and you can either give him the Cerberus and like you get a cool Omni tool thing, or you let the Quarians take him back home, um, and you just yep. get either Renegade points or Paragon points. Okay, that's fine. And, that's and you get a tool, yeah. But you you meet up with him later, depending on what you choose. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So with with Tally, you, you go the, her recruitment mission is you go and act you you go and wind up saving her from. Uh, she's on this one planet where like the moon or the, the moon the sun is like burning everything. That was kind of a cool mission because you, uh, it it kind of subverted the gameplay a little bit because you actually had to be you had to be more mindful of your cover and kind of be more careful when out in the open than than more than you normally would be which i thought was pretty cool and you know recruiting tally is you 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 stop the geth from fucking her day up and you also help you can help the one guy did you guys help the one guy like did you tell him to go out guns blazing or did you tell him to like stay behind cover and you would take care of it? I, I think I helped him. So he survived. So basically okay. yeah. like he stayed back and covered me while I went out. Cool. Okay. Yep. I, I did the same thing. He, he, he was a total. Bro. I really liked yeah. that, that mission from a design perspective, the way they used, you know, these sci-fi environments. Yeah. Um, the way, you know, because when you're in the sun, you lose health shields and health. Yeah. And then you have to, not only do you have to find cover, but you have to find cover that's in shade. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. That, I mean, so that's what I'm saying. Like you yeah. have to be very mindful of your environment, which isn't something that the game toys with a lot. Yeah. I wish it did um, more, especially yeah. because of how similar some of the, given the mechanics, which we'll, we'll talk about eventually, but um, sometimes the levels can feel kind of samey in their design. So I wish they did that yeah. more. We will talk about that because I yeah I do want to talk about that. I I will say though if they were to do more stuff with that, I I, I would have liked a better and more intuitive cover system. Yes, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that later. Um, back to Tally. So, her whole her 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 recruitment mission is whatever you know. You go and help her from the save her from this one planet and the Geth that were attacking her. But like the what was really interesting was her loyalty mission going to the flotilla and convincing the quarians that she didn't intentionally try to endanger them by bringing live geth onto to their civilization yeah i thought was great because talking to all the admirals on the admiralty board was really interesting they were all very distinct and different and all had very distinct and 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 and, um you know separate opinions on the situation on tally and on you and i thought that was really really cool yeah, it's, it's again another one of those situations like with Grunt where you're getting a lot of indirect exposition. You're learning a lot about the Quarians that you didn't really interact with them aside from Tally at all in the first game. Yeah. Um, so you're learning a lot about their society at the same time. You're learning a lot about Tally as a character and her interactions, her background within that society. 
Mm -hmm. um, very well done, very well handled, yeah. and, a, and a fun mission. Yeah, I do think that the end result uh, with her father was a little bland. It's predictable. Yeah, I mean, just finding out like his whole his whole thing was that he uh, he wanted to try and bring he he was the one that did it. It wasn't Tally. Tally didn't send the live geth there. He took the parts and built live geth uh, in order to try to bring them to uh, their side, and so they could try to win the war and take back their home. I don't know. It just it all kind of landed a little flat for me. Mm. Um, and, and like because it, it was the whole like she, he was doing it for her, but like he did something awful, and she couldn't really reconcile that, you know. Mm -hmm. But it just didn't. I don't know. How, how did you guys feel about that whole thing? I was okay with it only because of what it meant. And I'm treading on water here because I don't want to go too far, like misspeak. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Game, but um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I just think like he was on to something, maybe. Um, okay. Which we come to it's find for, out. It's foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Which we come to find out at the end of Mass Effect 2 as well. That's fair. That's fair. And we'll, we will talk about that briefly. Maybe I should have saved Tally as the last character we're it's one of those, about it's, who you're it's, referring to. It's one of those things where, like, in retrospect with all three games out and you can just play them through. Yeah. It fits much better than it probably would have at the time when all you have to judge is that single piece. That's fair. Yeah, once again, I know nothing about Mass Effect 3, so... But like, in the end, we do meet Legion, right? Yes, yeah, okay, and we'll, so... we'll, we'll, talk, we'll, get to, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. I Like I said, I, I feel like I should have held Tally off until right before we talk about Legion. It just but... speaks to why her loyalty mission, and just like the the story between the Corians and the Geth are just, like, such connective tissue of the entire trilogy. Like, they were the main threat in the first one, basically, and then now, like... You know, yeah. it's just becoming more than just a threat. Mm -hmm. Okay, so can we talk real quick about romancing Tally? I'm assuming, Mark, you, you romance Tally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, all right. Yeah. I romance Tally. Um, and so here's the thing. I started feeling weird about it. Again, I, I was trying to romance like everybody that was that you could <laughs> possibly do in a single playthrough. And obviously romancing some people will lock out the ability to do it for others. Yeah. And I guess when I say, when I say romance, I just mean have sex, but like... Because obviously you can only technically "quote unquote" romance one character, yeah, before the suicide mission. Um, but romancing Tally is just walking up to every woman on the on the normal. Basically, that will bang, okay. Basically, and we'll get into other characters that I, I was really upset that. Anyway, we'll get to it. Um, but uh, when it came to Tally, I don't know about how you felt about this. Her, the steps you go through, like the process to romance her and the dialogue, it felt weird. It felt almost like a, not grooming, but like, because basically she looks up to you. She's obviously much, or is supposed to be younger than you. It's And she looks up to you as a hero and she's, idolizes you. And it, it feels kind of almost weird. And I felt like. Like a power, yeah. not not to grooming, yeah. but a power indifference. Power, yeah, exactly. It was. I don't know. I I do think it's just like it's. I feel like her character is very reserved, and she's very very scientific, but she's not, you know, the mo. I would say the most social person. So like picking up on those social cues and like you, when you kind of like tell her, you know. Oh no, I'm like totally into you. She's like, oh, uh, oh, um, mm, mm, okay, uh. 
It's like she's very she's a very reserved character yeah, and maybe. Like, doesn't pick up on that stuff as well. But like, and it, it's kind of funny. Like it, it almost kind of feels like you're coercing her into a yes. romantic relationship yes. because she's like, I'm gonna figure out how we can be together. Yes, I'm, I've, I've taken all these antibiotics and all these uh, exactly. like, all these things. I think I should be okay. Let's bang. Yes, and like it's like, oh, okay, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Also, fun fact: I don't know if either of you guys knew this, but I found this out. <laughs> I, and I never knew this before the first time I played these games. Did you know that you could apparently um, push, or not push, but there are dialogue options where you can... I think that's no. a spoiler for Mass Effect 3. No! Damn but it. it's only a spoiler if you don't romance her. It, yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Don't you do it in this game? I was reading it, and it says it in this game. So, yeah, I mean, my experience of it, because I didn't romance her because I was femchep and she's uh, straight, uh, is that that opportunity can happen between them. Okay, two. I'm sorry, Mark, because I, I genuinely thought but that like, this I, was... No, I've no, never sorry. done this. It, I've never done okay. this. No, that, that, that's less of a spoiler that I'm, like, I'd am like i be upset about. But that well, is really it's, interesting. It's like an option. Like, uh, it's an I, optional thing. You, It's not like part of the story. Yeah, you have to like, go out of your way to... I did like a hover clip because it, uh, my Mass Effect 3 experience was a thing that we'll talk about um, but uh, eventually. But all I'm saying is that I did a hover clip and most people that played Mass Effect did not know that, that you could do that at all. I did not know until this playthrough. I was weeds like you have to do specific things at specific times to see that. Okay. Okay. So, but I'll talk about it more. That one's not as big a deal as uh, what Jason let out in the in the Mass Effect One episode, but yeah, I'm sorry. That was a total accident. That's okay. I had a feeling you were going there, but I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe he does. I don't know. Um, anything else to say about uh, any anything else to bring up about Tally other than she's uh, she's great? No, because we got some oh, cool last characters to talk the, about. The one last thing about Tally, uh, how did the conclusion of her trial go? What did, how did you guys handle that? I basically convinced everyone to um, like she became Tally vs Normandy, but she yeah. was still yeah. like considered like uh, like good among the quarry and like they they didn't banish her or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I basically, like, there's a renegade option where you basically just tell them to get fucked, but it still turns out the same way, like you just said. Yeah. I I really like the Paragon option where Shepard just tur- completely flips it on them and is yeah. just like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, she helped save the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to fucking accuse her of this? Are you kidding me? Yeah. She helped me fight the Geth before. Why would she do this to you? Like, what it is was wrong? a great speech. Yeah, it was awesome. I was like, fuck yeah, go Shepard. <laughs> she has. She, well, my Shepard had a lot all our shepherds had a lot of those moments, but I, I'm speaking yeah. at in Jennifer Hale's voice. Yeah. It's like so, like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So, yeah, I, I love Tally. She's she's great. Um, Jason, uh, who who were you going to next? Were you talking we're about to talk about Thane? Yeah, Thane is a cool ass character. Yeah, I thought I thought Thane was pretty cool. Um, what was his recruitment mission though i'm having i'm actually having trouble remembering it so he's the assassin um and you basically help him take down a target that's the one it's like a stealth mission where you're up in the rafters yeah well that was his loyalty mission but what was his was it his? i thought that was his recruitment that you have to help him take out the target 
his recruitment mission. Oh no no no! His his recruitment mission is um you're going through the construction, the construction site. Right. And it's then on, it's on Ilium. Yes, and he doesn't show up until the end. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that mission was okay. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's go. You're going up and you're finding like hostages that are in that are locked inside rooms and stuff. And I think one of them was actually. Uh, one of the one of the people on the opposing force. What was that? Was that the Blue Suns that you were facing off against yeah. during that mission? You fight the Blue Suns a lot in this game. Yeah, but I think I think yeah. in that mission it was the Blue Suns and the person, one of the people you find locked in a room that you think is a uh, is a hostage is actually one of the Blue Suns, if I recall, which was kind of a neat little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay, that that that's right. That that was things. Yeah, the loyalty mission was really cool. Like because his his whole backstory. Uh, or like the, the the whole thing that leads to his loyalty mission is that he has a son that he kind of left behind and has kind of taken a, a path in life that Thane doesn't want him to do because it's very similar to his as an assassin. And so he wants to kind of uh, prevent him from continuing down that path. And I thought that was really cool going on the Citadel. Like you get the one guy and kind of uh, interrogate him. Um, and, and you're up in the rafters following what it's the one politician that's up for that's up for election yeah and he's the target that thane's son is uh you know trying to or preparing to kill yeah um so how did that mission end for you guys what did you how did you guys deal with his son i don't remember um (laughs) basically we ended up saving him and like thane's sits him down and has a talk and i think you get him like a job with the with like the security forces or something. I, I I don't remember how you get him off the hook, but the, like you basically do something with, I think the chief of security and yeah. like you, you, I think there are multiple choices actually. I think you can bribe him, which might've been what I did, or okay. you call in a favor depending on like, if you were a paragon, I, I forget how it goes exactly, but I think you like get him a job as like a CSEC officer or something like that. That I do, sounds I, right. I also thought it was really cool. You kind of get more, um, you kind of get more uh, backstory and lore surrounding like the underbelly of the Citadel and like some of the corruption of CSEC in some ways, you know, the one guy was like accepting bribes from uh, one of the politician or not, not a politician, like a gang boss uh, to like leave him alone or something. Um, and that, that's the guy that I think hired Thane's son to go and murder the one politician. That's, uh, there's, that's there's a lot of that in this game spread out across all the characters. And I think that's one of the reasons that even though the main story I might not have liked as much as the first one, mm-hmm. overall, the story, in my opinion, just blows it out of the water compared to the first one. Because yeah, I mean, you get so much, as opposed to the first one where it's so much more high level and you know, you're dealing with like Citadel politics and military politics here. There's so much more underworld stuff going on. Yeah. And and you get lots of lore behind all these individual person. You know, we talk about it and this was like an intentional focus for this game. You know, we talk about how we, we get the final end goal at the very beginning of the game, basically. And the whole, the, the whole game is building a team and it allows for all these very personal stories that still like, in the locations that they're set in and in the societies that they're set in, they give all this additional backstory behind these things. Um, but like, I, I, I agree with you overall, Jason, is what I guess what I'm trying to say is that in spite of 
uh, the story, the, like the main story of this game being, you know, not necessarily as uh, big and memorable as the first one. It's those side stories, or it's not not even these side stories, these smaller personal stories between these individual characters that make it so much more impactful. And also just the side characters you meet along the way. Like, I don't think we even mentioned, um, what's her name? Um, the first, the it's basically like the first area you go to where we you We didn't get even mention the name of this, char- or the, this character that I can't remember the name uh, of. Oh, God. <laughs> She's she's like basically the job of the well she's not job of the hut but she's basically like the oh, criminal um, overlord. Aria. Yeah. Arya Talok. Yeah, she's basically like the criminal overlord of that space station mm-hmm. and she gets involved in another side quest you can do. Yeah. Um but she's such an awesome character. Yeah, she yeah. was really cool. I feel like they the game needed more of her. I we'll get to that when we talk about side side quests because I do have some stuff to say about the side quests. But um yeah, she was cool. But yeah, uh, any other thoughts about Thane? He's a, he's a character. I think the most interesting part to him is that you knew he was going to die because like his species does, just doesn't yeah. last that long. And so I was always like, I don't know, worried about him. But it's pretty cool that like he chose to like live uh, as an assassin for the little bit of time that he gets. And then character development happens... Oh, yeah, you get a lot of you get a lot of dialogue options with him. He's evolved. I think one of the reasons I liked him so much is because of all of the characters on Normandy. I think he's the one you get the most dialogue options with, um, outside of like romancing, like stuff like with Tally. Because um, pretty much every time I came back to him, like there was another, and it would be like philosophical discussions that weren't like directly talking to his character development, but we're like, it was, he was obviously talking about himself. Yeah. It, it was interesting. I do kind of wish that I had talked, like explored more of his dialogue options to find out, you know how he has those episodes where um, ostensibly his eyes kind of black out and he just starts talking really rapidly and describing like a past event in like a very like stressed kind of way. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. I do kind of wish I dug more into why he does that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that comes down to his sickness that he has or if it's something with the drill, his species, his species is the drill, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to make sure. Uh, I don't, I, I didn't really, do you guys know the story behind that? No, not that I'm I don't remember. but, okay. but yeah, now that you're mentioning that, that sounds familiar. And that was kind of an interesting quirk with his, with his character and what kind of set him aside. Like, cause the sequence with the camera work, especially the camera work was like, it kept like, it was lots of close-up shots of his face, but different angles while he's talking, and I thought that was a really interesting way of perceiving the character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure why. Okay, well, uh, I guess leave us a comment. Let us know, yeah, know. why uh, why Thane does that because none of us investigated enough. Yeah, uh, I did. I forgot. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's a cool character. All right, let's talk about Samara. Oh yeah, the, the strawberry, the space space samurai slash milf. What do they call? <laughs> what do they call? Uh, Jude Jude Judicar. Judicar, thank you. They're basically um, yeah, they're basically space samurai. Yeah, it's awesome. She's probably my of all the new characters. She was probably my favorite. Okay, I don't remember her recruitment mission. But that's either. because, but that's because as it, it, her mission is. You go to 
Um, it's I it's think it's Ilium. the same. Yeah, it's the planet where you get Kasumi, um, and she's no. hunting. Is it, whatever planet it doesn't matter where okay, you get her. Yeah. Um, she's hunting down a criminal, um, and basically they don't want they because they know there's corruption going on. They don't want her to like figure out the murder. That was yeah, but that was the murder one, and like you could uh, you find information incriminating the one the one guy, and you could hand it over to the police if you wanted to, or or you could uh, not, and he would reward yeah. you or something. Yeah, yeah, okay, now I'm remembering. I thought that mission was kind of cool too because it was like yeah. you you almost felt like a detective again. Yeah, and again, it's more like underworld stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that was on Ilium. Okay, now I'm remembering. Yeah, that was cool. That was that was a cool mission. I did enjoy that, and like she was arrested and you had to kind of clear you had to like kind of figure out uh or or clear her name or whatever before she would go on the mission with you yeah Mm -hmm. um and to to, you know let her off the uh let her out of the uh the prison system on on ilium that was pretty cool um she also has one of the coolest side loyalty missions the loyalty mission was very interesting again it was another kind of detective thing where you're trying to hunt down the murderer of this uh of this one girl and this this goes back to what i was just mentioning about uh aria talak because you have to go back there interact with her and yeah through that connection you get access to and yeah you have to go around all the clubs and interrogate not interrogate question people and try to figure out you gotta lure her out yeah yeah so like you can take different i think there's a bunch of things you can do in that club to lure her out and like i think i wound up uh helping this one guy like his partner was like in a conversation with a gangster and you had to kind of like lure him away to get her away from him and stuff which was kind of cool and eventually it all ends up, she takes you back to her apartment to fucking mind meld you. And to into be clear, we're, talking, we're not talking about Samara's daughter, Morinth. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came down to being in her apartment and Samara busts in and they're both about to kill each other, who do who did you guys choose? Samara. Yeah. You chose Samara, Jason? Yeah. Wow, okay. Because I wanted, I, I wanted, I didn't want to lock out being able to... Uh, romance or have sex with her. Well, you could, you could, <laughs> you could, ro- like, she, w- what I found out is she's, I picked Samara as well for the record because Samara is the, is the good choice, whereas Morinth is like the, the evil choice. Yeah, Morinth um, didn't deny that she was killing the people that she slept yeah. with. She was like, yeah, I do this. You want it's, me to do it to you too? Here, come have some pizza at it, my place. Do the, <laughs> okay. Yeah, she does the mind meld where she, like, fucking yeah. brain melts you which even though it's very clearly a black and white choice it's very clearly morinth is bad and samara is good it's very obvious but it's space ronin yeah it's still really really cool that they they did something like that that's like the only it's and again it goes back to her being a very unique character in that she can be outright replaced and granted they are they're exactly the same thing they're the exact same character and i think moral decision that you can make and that I think doesn't lock you out. Yeah. The character. And I, but but the thing about Samara's character that makes her so interesting, like because I I actually went into side dialogue on the Normandy with her about like more morality and whatnot, and eventually it went into like semi romance dialogue. But I think the game just wouldn't let me romance her because I was too renegade, mm-hmm. which speaks. I think I think that is a lockout mechanic because she is pretty much just a straight up Paragon character. Like, she lives by, like, a samurai. That's why I call her a space samurai. She lives by this weird 
Judicar code. Yeah. I think what makes her character a little more gray is the fact that, like, she was, like, so gun-ho about killing her daughter. You know, like, that can't be... Well, it's because yeah. she broke she broke the code, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and it's it's because, like, I, I didn't quite catch what an Ardot Yakshi was, but, like, only three of them existed. Two of them, uh, I think, are dead, and the only one remaining was Morinth, who's, like, a morally bad person, uh-huh. so... And and like Samara felt felt responsible for that, so she had she felt you know it was her it was her uh, duty to uh, fix it, uh, which obviously meant killing Mordok. Mordok, Yashi, Quesar, Hadarak. Who cares? Okay. Dune reference. I don't think. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Oh, hold on, I can I can look this up on the spot. Uh, a rare genetic condition in Asari, specifically affecting their nervous systems. That's what R. Yakshi means. But I'm not. Rather than reading this whole wiki right now, we'll we'll just go ahead and say we didn't look for, far enough into what that meant. Point point being though, we we covered the basics though. Like Morin yeah. was a morally bad character, and Samara was the morally uh, better one. And I could okay. be wrong, but I just interpreted it as someone who uses like that like mind body connection thing. Yeah, so much to, to bad, like to, for bad reasons. Um, well, it, it seemingly it's it, it's something genetic. So she was whatever it is, she's born with it. But you could be right that it has something to do with with that with with the mind melding. Uh, um, I almost said mechanic. Yeah, I don't know if we talked. <laughs> it's important to know. I don't know if we talked about this in the last episode, but the Yasari are basically uh, space parasites. Like they aren't what we see them on screen. Like different species see them however they want to see them. Well, we did, like we did talk about that aspect. Yeah, which yeah. doesn't always track, considering like because we talked about we because we went into the sorry a little bit. And we talked about how like when Liara was explaining like they're perceived and seen by by like how you're attracted to them, but like yeah. and they they seek like, out all different species to essentially because they want to have a as diversified a gene pool as possible right but like it doesn't quite always make sense because just because like depending on like which which sex you choose your shepherd to be like they're still perceived the exact same way right. yeah um unless the implication is that female uh female shepherd is always going to be uh uh bisexual or gay right, uh, right. you know but anyway uh, that that aside, yeah, I thought Tamara was a really cool character, and I thought that her loyalty mission was great. All right, yeah. on to Legion. The well, what would have been the most surprising, uh, the most surprising crewmate for me had Jason not spoiled it last episode. <laughs> it was an accident. I'm sorry. I know it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, Legion. It's a fucking geth. You, you, I, I, during what is it during the mission where you're trying to retrieve the Reaper IFF? Um, yes, that, yeah. that you, yeah, yes. you come across a, uh, a rogue geth that is helping you and calling you Shepherd Commander, and it gets shut down while you're fighting other geth, and you wind up taking it with you. And yeah, I, I, I so okay, so I think we should I know, talk about first how I accidentally on this playthrough locked yeah. myself out of I getting... need to I need to know how that okay. happened. So here's the choice you're given when so you get this rogue geth who is like knocked out in battle 
and you have him and you basically on one side you have Jacob saying we need to throw that thing out of the airlock that's literally what he says and then on the other hand Miranda says no Cerberus can use that for research so I sided with Miranda because it makes more sense that we don't throw it out of the airlock so that he becomes part of the party Uh but apparently if you if you choose Miranda's choice Cerberus just takes it and you never see it again Whereas somehow, I guess, if you choose Jacob's, throw it out of the airlock, it's still on the ship. So I forgot that that well, was the choice you had to there pick. There had to have been a third choice, because there's no way I would have said no, to throw was, it yeah, up. There was only I, two. I don't remember, no, I don't there, remember there, that either. There I wonder, have been. though, if maybe he only had two choices because he was renegade. Maybe. That could have been it. I, I don't know. because the, J, Jason, there, there's no way I would have decided with Jacob to throw it out the airlock. Um, but like, I definitely, like, if I didn't pick that choice, I definitely wouldn't have picked the other because I had access to, to, um, yeah, it might just be that I was renegade then who knows. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Cause I was wondering like, if you, if you actually did go and talk to Legion, I didn't, I couldn't comprehend or understand how you possibly could have. Because what happens. And I remembered this from my first playthrough the, that I finished the way you unlock him is you go down to like the AI research area and you basically turn him on and then he's just laying there on the table. So I thought, okay, Cerberus takes him, but he'll be on the Normandy. Yeah. I, um, I did think it, it was a neat little, uh, just bit with you being on the Normandy and you have an AI companion, Edie, and like everyone's very cautious about, um, that AI, you know, being on the ship and like, she's she's like fully ready to turn on to turn legion on but like i've got all my firewalls up and ready like just in case you know he's not gonna hack me um but yeah i thought legion as a character was like what a what a cool uh i can't unfortunately i can't say unexpected surprise but what a cool surprise the 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 character was just as like it being a, a not a not a geth but a geth like collective because obviously the way the geth work right the hive is mind. they're they're a hive mind but this is like a whole collection of geth ai that are, are uh, that exist through a mathematical calculate or miscalculation where like they 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 don't they they aren't bad you know like the bad batch yeah (laughs) needs to be like the fucking architect from the matrix to explain that it is a mathematical certainty that the outcome of the like yeah and unfortunately i did find when when legion would go on long tangents but since it's since it's a robot it's got a very monotonous robotic voice i did kind of like accidentally tune out a couple times while it was talking and explaining things and i'm like okay but i got the basic gist it boils down to a mathematical error and like you go and and its loyalty mission is really cool you go to a a derelict reaper to um to to get the the geth hack that they're that they're planning on using and you kind of turn it against them and or you can either destroy it and not use it or, or, or no, I'm sorry. I think it's you can either use it to destroy the Geth or use it to turn them into allies. Is that right, Delilah? Yes. Am I remembering that correctly? Okay. Yes. Or I, I just vaguely remember him explaining how they became like the threat initially based on like their relationship to the Quarians and like some religious aspects of it came out. Of, yeah. You know, how they had to like look for, and th- this is kind of the theme of the series as well. Like, 
like you're created and you look up to your master, but then once you realize your master isn't perfect, you kind of don't know what to look to until you find something else to latch on to, which is it's pretty they- much it's pretty much taken from Battlestar Galactica. Well, the new Battlestar Galactica from two thousand four. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, basically, like they worship God, and which is completely opposite of the paganism of humans in that show. Yeah. So yeah, I think it had something to do with that, like how their their mechanisms function, um, which I thought was interesting because it's like, yeah, of course we would side with the Geth because we're like siding with every other race, including the Krogan, who were like this species that just fought everything and were just completely violent, or so we thought. Um, yeah. So like, of course, like there would be like a quote unquote good Geth that could become part of your crew member and. And that way we were able to to understand the Geth a lot more than the way the Quarians helped us understand them. Yeah, it was a really cool uh, uh, subversion of expectations. Yeah. Of, of like one of the main antagonist or the main like antagonistic force fighting against you throughout all of Mass Effect 1. Suddenly there's one that's not bad and you find out there's a lot of the of Geth AI that aren't bad and uh, I, I assume, Delilah, you used the the hack hacking algorithm to turn them to, to turn them good to like kind of reset them and turn them turn turn the rest of the Geth good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I did, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that pays off because I'm sure that's gonna come up at some it. point in the future. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, great. Um. Jason, just out of curiosity, why didn't you reload your save to try and make the right decision there? Um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Honestly, I think it's... You made your decision, I, you just had to stick with it. No, I think it's actually because I kept playing the game and I was doing other stuff and I didn't realize I had made the wrong decision oh, okay. until I had saved a couple times already after that. Got it. And, and unfortunately sometimes decisions you make really early in the game affect something that happens later in the game, especially in Mass Effect 3. I don't know if it's that much the case in Mass Effect 2, but it does happen in the series. Mm-hmm. Like, if you okay. don't do a specific side mission at this yeah. time, then you're, you're, you're locked out of certain decisions. Yeah. Alright, uh, last two crewmates. They're actually DLC crewmates, but I think that their uh, loyalty missions were interesting enough that they're worth talking about. Uh, they don't really have recruitment missions. Like, yeah, you do have to do something to recruit them. You basically you just take... talk to them. Exactly. Like, I recruited Zaid without even realizing that it was someone to recruit. Well, if you're following the, the dossiers you're given, like, um, from the base game... He basically just shows up like first thing again. I keep forgetting the name of the place where Arya um, Talak is. Uh, Omega. Or, Omega. That's what it's called. He's he's right there at the entrance. So like you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I talked to him without even without realizing he was one of the dossiers I yeah. had. I talked to him and he was just like, ah, cool. I'll come with you. And I'm like, uh, oh. <laughs> and then a trophy didn't pop, and I was kind of like, "Why? I just recruited a guy. Why didn't the trophy pop?" Right. And I found out it's because he's a DLC. Mm-hmm. They only cared about uh, the, uh, the the loyalty mission for him. But his loyalty mission was kind of neat. You you basically he wanted revenge on this one guy, and you go to the planet, and you're trying to find him so he can get his revenge. And uh, Zaid is so blinded by his his desire for revenge <laughs> that he's kind of disregarding <clears throat> anyone else. And 
for uh, did you guys did you guys do the, uh, his loyalty mission? Yeah, and if you're renegade, it's fun because you just burn everybody. <laughs> so I guess that's what you did is you just let everyone die. Yeah. Did you did he get revenge? Yeah. In that case, okay. So Delilah, I'm assuming you didn't. No. It's a pretty straight. If you do it renegade, it's pretty straightforward. You just kill everything. Yeah. Yeah, Paragon, you have to have enough points to convince him to like join you, but also not get revenge and see why yeah. his ways are like not good. Yeah, because because for Paragon, we uh, we save the people that are in that facility, and it winds up giving the guy enough lead time that he's able to escape. And Zaid is like fucking pissed at you, and you're just like, dude come on like this is not this is not what your focus needs to be right now like we need to save the galaxy and then you can and then you can fucking take your revenge and he's yeah. like yeah you're right i wasn't thinking rationally good job shepherd honestly i look at zaid honestly if it wasn't for how fun his mission is uh relatively speaking like you'd be on the same level as like jacob i could take him yeah. or leave him kasumi is a far more interesting character yeah. with a much better mission so let's go ahead and talk about Kasumi's mission. That, that was actually the first loyalty mission I did. Mm. Um, but her mission was so cool. You kind of you infiltrate like a party and you're walking around getting clues on where to find the thing that you're looking for, the black box, I think. Yeah, it's like a heist and you got to yeah. cut the power, you got to and you're sneaking around the party, you got to find the code to the a, lock and you know all get that a stuff. voice sample of uh of the one guy so you gotta like uh, t- talk him up and like he thinks you're like this uh that's totally someone else and he's like getting to know you or whatever and you're collecting a voice yeah it was really really cool mission and uh it was really cool walking around like his museum show floor where he has like all these valuables and stuff and historical items and like hearing kasumi talk about them and like yeah what did he, he had like a bunch of alien things, but like he had like the statue of David mm-hmm. and like all these other like real life, real world like artifacts and stuff. And like the, to see those there was like really, really cool. Right, right. Um, and then you wind up, uh, you uh, do you wind up killing him in the end of the mission? Like the, 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 like the, the bad, like the, the guy that you were stealing the thing from? I don't know if you ever actually confront him. I think you just escape. Oh no, you you. I, I think you do. You, I, I think you do because fight. he come the the big fight at the end. He comes in on the plane. I think. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. I thought I thought you yeah. wound up killing him there. I, I just couldn't quite remember. Um, with the mementos, like the whole thing that she was trying to recover was like, uh, like this information, all all these things from like her former partner, who like she was actually kind of in love with um did you destroy those or save them like i saved talk- them but then it got a little weird I think <laughs> like I, every time i would go in her room she was like with i this- think i destroyed them yeah i had she looks at she basically like looks through it one more time and then gets rid of it i kind of wish okay. i would have done that hmm. i thought it was cool going into the room that she's sitting in uh, she like suddenly like after I did that mission, there were a bunch of things in her room that you could interact with, and she would talk about them and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. It, she was the only kind of the only character that had that. I well, Zaid Zaid does it too um, with oh, the shit that's in his maybe, place. Maybe I didn't go back to Zaid's room after I did his loyalty mission. The one the one beef I had with the DLC characters was there was no dialogue on the Normandy for them yeah. really yeah. in the same way that you had. I mean, for, forget about, like, not being able to romance Kasumi. Like, 
just being able to talk and like explore the character. Because that would have romanced Kasumi. That would have been dope. Well, she's you can't. Awesome she's too busy. Well, if you, she, she, she her, her man's dead. You can't just rebound off of a dead relationship. Yo, I'm a renegade. Why not? <laughs> imagine Remember, like Jason you, wants uh, to imagine, bang everyone. Imagine you let her like save the memories, and she's like loving her, like the memories of her partner, and then you're like, oh, but hey, I'm here. I'm real flesh, babe. Hey, like, forget, what's good? Forget about forget about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> It, it it got creepy to me though because I was thinking of that episode of Black Mirror, where like the girl was just like always with the robot that had her husband's memories. I was just like, no, nah, this is like freaking Ugh. me out. Like, yeah, I went that dark with it, but it, it the game didn't make it that creepy. But that's where my head went. <laughs> Jeez. Um, before we move on to our last big character to talk about, Jason, did you know and did you do this? That you could romance Kelly, the uh, the assistant girl that was next to the galaxy map that tells you about your crewmates. I knew about it, but I never really looked into it. Okay, I was um, I was genuinely wondering if you could rom- if you did romance her. Um, out of curiosity, are we gonna wait till we talk about DLC to talk about um? Uh, oh my god, Liara, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about her now because she's not what she's not actually. Um, she, there's a DLC involving her, but she is not contingent on the DLC. She is there on Ilium. Yeah, without the the Shadow Broker DLC. And there's there's also after you do well, I guess. Let's just wait till we talk about the DLC. Okay, but there's fine. there's stuff you can do with her after the DLC. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, so let's talk about the last major character of the game that I really want to talk about is the elusive man. Um, I thought he was great for what he was supposed to be. Like, yeah. he's elusive. You're, you don't know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that, that man, he sure is elusive. <laughs> like, he has like that, like I said, that generic like white business guy who like seems untrustworthy, but like some of the things he says make sense. But you're also this isn't just like, about Cerberus. This is about humanity, Shepard. Right. Which is like his line at the end of every conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I was always, I, I was like, he can't be completely bad because that would be too obvious. Like he seems like someone you just don't trust, right? I, I love that he's just. Always smoking a cigarette, like yeah. That, that, is this that, guy is, like, is this guy like he's got to have lung cancer? Like, absolutely. Yeah. But like, who knows? They might be so advanced that they can just. He's also got those blue eyes, so maybe he has like biotic lungs or something. I don't know. Yeah, his eyes are something else. I, want, I wish Martin Sheen's eyes looked that nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Delilah, Delilah, I know, I know what Delilah's thinking. I'm not going to say anything though. Um. Oh, great. There's something that goes on. All right. Well, uh, silence you two. Um, I'm just snickering over here. Like, <laughs> like a, hey, next episode is going to be so yeah. juicy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, he, 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 you know, he, he seemed very untrustworthy from the start and turns out we were right. Cause like during the mission where we find out about the collectors really being Protheans and we you know, we find out we need the, we ultimately need the Reaper IFF. Like he he knows we're walking into a trap, and he lets us just do it because uh, he knew that the information would be more valuable, and he knew we could get out of the situation. But it was like kind of like, wow, dude, you, yeah, you're kind of a dick. 
What if yeah. we died? He's like, I knew you wouldn't. Like, well, yeah, probably not. But like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could have given us a warning. And then his justification behind that was like, no, you wouldn't have. Uh, you wouldn't have found out what you needed to find out if I had if I had just told you what to expect. Like, You're a symbol for humanity, Shepard. This is bigger than Cerberus. It's about humanity. <laughs> okay, so now circling back, now let's talk about suicide mission. You know, the, the, the thing we've been building up to, the thing we've that, that, that this game ultimately culminates in. Wait, sorry, before we hmm. go there, you did yeah. ask a question about Kelly that um that if we romance her. Yeah, uh, did you? So well, no, I didn't. But oh. like, she was like a simp for aliens. So like, why would I? I wasn't the alien. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She was. Like, when Garrus got on the ship, she was like, oh, who's that? And I was like, <laughs> okay. And she was like, oh, who's that? Yeah, like, every time a new alien came on board. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's fair. I, I, I just, I, I, I didn't know until I started looking into, uh, I started looking into um the the romance options i found out that she was that she was romanceable and i was like but she also dies permanently doesn't she doesn't she get killed when no, the normie gets attacked not necessarily um because i don't even after you well, when we talk about the suicide mission actually, well, we should actually, probably we should probably talk about that first before we yeah, talk about, let's the suicide talk about that let's talk about the thing that i thought like when you get the reaper iff and you go to install it yeah they get everyone gets on a shuttle and then suddenly the collectors invade the ship and you're playing you do the sequence this fucking metal gear sequence is joker um i didn't expect that what did, yeah. how did you guys feel about that section it's very short yeah, yeah. understandably so because it, given the way he walks it's kind of it could be frustrating especially if you're like me and you weren't paying attention to the enemy pathing and you accidentally walked into fucking collectors a few times. So, and you have to redo the entire thing yeah, all over well, again. That's the biggest problem, right? Like I wouldn't have minded more of that if they had given checkpoints every time you go down a ladder, but like I, that happened to me in the last area when you're down on the lower deck and you're going to the engine room. Um, there's the set, there's the bit where you're down the stairs and they're walking through the one door to the other they had passed the stairs they hadn't closed the door yet so i went up and i got caught and i was like how the fuck did i get caught they they had their back turns they were already through the door it just hadn't closed yeah so that was really frustrating and i wouldn't like i said i wouldn't have minded if that section was a little longer and you had to do more sneaking had there been checkpoints where i didn't have to do the whole fucking thing again because yeah i i failed and had to do had to start from the beginning it was really really annoying yeah um it just but, at that at that point of the game, I I, I didn't really what, the sequence was whatever. I was just curious like where they were going with it. Like it was the first time we took control of any other character. Yeah, yeah, and it, like, I it was just like I, I don't even I don't even know what to say about where where they were going with it. Like, well, from a storytelling perspective, I guess what they were trying to go for was like a. The darkest night, you know, before the character, the character, you know, prevails. But the thing is, is like we were talking about way at the beginning, the structure of the game, it doesn't really jive with that. Um, But it's still a cool scene regardless. Yeah. And it also it also sets up a decision on the suicide mission. Well, it sets up a lot because after that sequence happens, you're kind of on an un you're on an unseen 
counter because I, I I looked into the suicide mission like results a little bit after and like after the Reaper IFF is installed, the more missions you do, additional missions before going on the suicide mission, the less likely your crew is to survive the suicide mission. Oh yeah, because I did Which it immediately I, after. Right, then that's like what you're supposed to do. But if you don't, if you start going and doing other like side missions, more loyalty missions and stuff, it the, there, there's a there's a hidden um, a hidden counter that like that goes down, and and you're and more and more crewmates are just automatically going to die. Wow. That's cool. I never knew that. Of, yeah, it's like it, it's 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 fascinating. Uh, my my buddy Alex once again like showed me this this graphic that explains all the decision paths that the suicide mission can lead to. And like, that's one of those things is the the more missions you do before, after installing the Reaper IFF and before going on suicide mission, the more missions you do, the, uh, the, the more likely, uh, crew members are going to die, including Dr. Chakwas. Yes. Um, which is like one of the bigger ones. Um, but yeah, and there's also like there's also the uh, the ship upgrades and stuff that you can that you can do by talking to your crewmates once you once you recruit them, you can ask them like, hey, you got any suggestions on how to make the ship better? And there's three of them that are required in order to make sure crew members don't die. Yeah, see, I had been, I was like, all right, so the uh, we'll talk about it later in gameplay, but I was like addicted to mining for stuff and planets, so I was like, <laughs> I was like, a, I was like the Monopoly man with fucking space resources. Yeah. So I literally had like every up, like everything, and I didn't know that until afterwards. Uh, so my my suicide mission went very well. Okay. So yeah, I guess let's get, let's let's jump into let's jump into the suicide mission at this point. Uh, how did it go? Who died? Anyone? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Cool. We all we all got through scot free. Okay. Which, which I was like, I was like, wait, what? Because I know the first time I did it way back, somebody died. I don't remember who, but I know somebody died. I thought you didn't play. You thought you rage quit the game. Yeah, but I played it later. Oh, okay. See, I thought you haven't hadn't actually beaten it. I was talking about. I was talking about the very first time. Okay. I mean, I kind of like cheated though because I was going for the platinum, so I knew what the requirements were going into it. But things get very dicey when you have to choose like who to like protect something and who to go in. Like you have to send like all the tanky characters to do one thing and like the weakest characters like Tali to do another thing. And that's like where most people would probably if they're not going for like the platinum or whatever would just lose. Well, so initially, initially I, I wasn't looking at any resources. I was and they kind of make it obvious like. One of the first thing, one of the first decisions you have to make on suicide mission is, uh, oh, we need someone to turn off these vents, or go through the go through these vents or whatever to open like this door or whatever. And it, like obviously, you want a technical person doing that, so your choices are limited to those characters. Mm-hmm. The obvious choice, Tally. So like without thinking about it, I, I sent Tally to do that, and I, what do you know? That was one of the the, the correct choices to, yeah, to make. Yeah, I, I sent Kasumi. Yeah. Yeah, Kasumi would have worked too. I think. I think you also could have sent Legion. I just know? basically picked the logical choice for every time one of those came up. Like, well, they, they wanted you to like pick a team leader for a second team, and I was like, my boy Garrus, you got this. And my my thing is for so for one of those on my first going through of this, for the second time, for the one where you have to have a biotic specialist shield you. Yeah, I chose Samara. Yeah, I chose Samara at yeah. first, and for the for the. For the uh, distraction team, 
I was like, well, why not? I'll have Jack do it. Like Jack is like, you know, she she could probably handle it. I get through to the end and she fucking dies. Yeah, because she she could have been, I think, one of the biotics. Uh, yeah she could have been a biotic choice but i didn't I, I i didn't think any reason not to think she would be an effective leader of just like a, a diversion squad other than the fact that fine. she's the fuck off leave me alone character but still like she but during that mission like she said some things where she was like no i can do this i can lead or whatever and i was like yeah all right i'll have her well, they, they, they got but you they got you <laughs> so yeah i restarted the fucking mission i restarted it completely yeah. and did, did like did it all from the beginning and and yeah i chose i think i did choose garris at that point and i chose jack to be my biotic specialist because while well, i saw samara do it why not have jack do it this mm-hmm. time and then yeah i got through just fine and then every other decision i made after that was fine i had thane be the one to escort the other crew members uh back to the ship and that was fine. I read after the fact that the more popular choice there is Morden. Yeah, I chose Morden. Uh, but I, I, I liked Morden, and I, since we were fighting collectors, they have lot, they have armor, and Morden has the incendiary abilities. Yeah. I was like, okay, I want to keep Morden because I want to use him. I'm going to send Thane back. And I thought I got really nervous that that was like a because I looked it up before the full ending had played out and but after like all decisions were made and everything and the trophy didn't pop for everyone surviving immediately that mm. one kind of waits to pop until yeah. the, basically right before the credits roll and yeah. i was like did i fuck up am i gonna have to reload a save and then i wound up everyone survived and everything was fine but yeah i i, I chose thane to do that um but yeah ultimately on my second attempt no one died the first one jack died uh unfortunately and unexpectedly yeah it was a really cool mission i loved it it was a really cool mission and let's talk about like the reason the collectors were <clears throat> collecting humans they were building a human reaper which looked really cool and really yeah but like the whole idea of it was so gross yeah like they're just like kind of like decomposing and like like gooifying humans into like this human sludge to create a reaper from it. It was kind of like, yeah, I, I really loved the suicide mission as a whole. And I loved that idea of basically they're grinding up humans for biomass to build a like, reaper. It was like season three of uh stranger things. <laughs> yeah, oh, kind of. yeah. We're all the, all the, like, yeah, you know what I'm talking. You guys don't want to talk. Spoiler, about but no, Spoiler, go watch stranger things. Season but, um, yeah, it has been really... I'm still watching through it, but I'm really enjoying but, it. But um, the, the only real gripe I had with the suicide mission is I felt like the gameplay mechanics didn't really serve that final boss well, given yeah, its size. Yeah. 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 Um, it was still fun just because I liked the idea, the concept of the boss, but I, feel I like was it like needed, getting annoyed. I feel like it needed to have some sort of... You need to you zoom know, out your camera, first of all. Yeah. Or yeah, but also like some some sort of gimmick behind it, you know, where you have to you get these opportunities to shoot very specific things, and certain events will play out, and maybe expand the arena, and maybe even give you access to some to some weaponry that you could use against it, rather than just being the Mass Effect gameplay you've been doing this whole time, and having this very limited arena with very weird placement of cover. And all of your normal abilities that just aren't very effective against this titanic being. Yeah. Um, I I agree completely with that. That 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 as a final boss, that was 
the the design of it or like the, the the appearance of it was really cool the actual design of the fight was kind of lousy yeah i agree um but yeah the whole the, the suicide mission what a, what a way to end the game mm-hmm. that, that was fantastic yeah. um high stakes yeah and, and it, it, it's clear why it's such a memorable bit i i think it's i think it's a shame that in in hindsight it's the whole game story is overshadowed by the loyalty missions and whatnot because i do think the suicide mission kind of kind of makes it all worth it i will say though and this isn't the suicide mission but the actual ending of the game um after you finish the suicide mission yeah felt really weird and abrupt yeah you basically see you're on you're on the normandy and you debrief with the elusive man did you and did you guys like kind of i think you could like kind of you could kind of be like fuck off oh yeah i told him to fuck off yeah I think I may have said something similar. I can't quite I remember. I told them to fuck off. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, it, you, it has, like, the Mass Effect theme playing while everyone's there, like, alive and, ta- and like, you know, looking at what resources they have left and everything. And you look and you see the Reapers are descending upon the, the galaxy yeah. and shit. Um, and to be, to be fair, because I'm... Unlike, I'm pretty sure in the first game you weren't able to continue playing past the ending, um, in, but in this one you can. Yeah, right. Um, so, to be fair, like I, I think they kind of designed it to be that way because it's not. It, it may not technically be the end of your story in whatever playthrough mm-hmm. you're running. Yeah, and plus, there's something we need to get to. Uh, that expands on that and we'll we'll talk about that shortly let's talk about now that we've very exhaustively and extensively covered the the plot of this game um this is gonna be one of our longer episodes guys and and there's still so much more that happens yeah i know like we only covered the characters and stuff primarily yeah so let's get into some of the things that have kind of changed and evolved from the first game um I think the biggest thing that I want to talk about is the progression of the game. Cause yes. this is something that I, I'm kind of really critical of um, in mass effect one. It's very much a, a an RPG. Yeah. It's, you know, D and D roll the dice, classic Bioware, but like in this, but like, it's it's like the it's like when when you kill an enemy you get experience points when you level up you feel that level up you yeah it kind the game kind of celebrates that level up and you know that you have points that you can allocate and in you also just game, have more control yeah yeah in this game the structure has changed so much to be so much more like mission based you embark on a mission when you're done you get this screen with the elusive man staring out a window and this like celebratory music that lists out all the things that you earn and all it just gives you this arbitrary this seemingly arbitrary uh, experience point uh number and potentially tells you you leveled up you have this many skill points it just doesn't feel as rewarding as like the first game did yeah it doesn't to me it doesn't feel like it like it feels it feels like the 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 D and D structure has has changed, or the RPG structure has changed. To put it in D and D terms, of like at the end of an encounter, your DM will give you you know you earned this much experience. Keep track of that, whatever. And like this game is much more like you just did a big encounter. Congratulations, y'all leveled up, and yeah. just kind of like decides for you. It it doesn't 
it, it doesn't feel a celebratory in, in, in its progression. Yeah, it's weird. The, with the changes, generally speaking, in this game, it's with everything that I loved that changed, there was something that I hated, and that's one of those things. Yeah. Um, and not just the nature of the progression, how you get the experience, um, the lack of real choice, um, the severe downgrade in terms of um, armor and weapons that you can acquire, where it almost feels well, at points it gets boring. The that I personal. so that I liked because if we remember back to Mass <clears> Effect <throat> One, I could not stand how much inventory management you have to do in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where you'll have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like useless pieces of gear that you just have to dismantle and, and, mm-hmm. and get rid of, turn in, either turn into Omnigel or or sell them. Yeah. And it just it, it became more of a frustration than like a reward. And this game completely does away with that and instead has like you you you'll over time you'll get a new gun that you can then use on anyone that uses that gun. I also really liked how the classes really stick to your weapon proficiencies. So playing as a as an adept, I could use submachine guns and pistols. And that was it. Until later in the game, you get to add on one additional weapon proficiency. I chose sniper rifles. I felt that would be the most added beneficial one. But like, and I, I I liked that because it it that felt made it made the RPG mechanics feel like my my choice of who I was playing as mattered more. But I really liked not having to micromanage an inventory. Um, See again, and the upgrade that's... system was pretty rudimentary, but it was still useful and good and and well enough. See, that's, again, one of those things where it's like, I, I love the fact that you don't have to deal with those inventory issues from the first game, but I hate the streamlined nature, and there's no build diversity in this game. Like you said, it's pretty tied to what you choose at the beginning. Yeah, There's no way to really make a hybrid just for your own enjoyment of the game. You're basically stuck with what you chose. Um, I I personally like the streamline because you could just, like control characters uh that have different abilities so i kind of didn't mind it too much because hmm. i wanted to like play with biotics just bring a biotics with me and like cast it or whatever right yeah. and they kind of slim down the, the uh the amount of abilities every all your all your crewmates have at least so they only have like four things you could level up i will and, say uh, i will say the team the system for commanding the team even though it's similar it felt way more responsive and the AI felt more responsive. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes some of the, some of the biotic abilities didn't work out as well as I would have liked. Like sometimes I'd go to use warp and it would just like go in a completely random direction instead of like the guy I thought I was targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, or like <laughs> if I use a crewmate's warp, it'll just like, automatically happen to that enemy whereas if i use it it's a projectile that has to have line of sight sometimes it would hit a wall and that would be really frustrating but like the recharge is so quick that it barely even matters um i do i do feel like that moment to moment combat was much improved in this game it's just the the progression system really bummed me out it just like it never really felt like i was progressing I would just like go to start a mission and I would suddenly realize, oh, I have three skill points to allocate. Yeah. Cool. Where did those you come also, from? I have you no also idea. Don't really, you also don't really feel the impact of it until later in the game. as yeah. When you start reaching the ends of those bars and especially after you unlock the, um, I forget what the 
types of abilities are called after you do the loyalty missions. Each um, cast member gets like a special move. Yeah, they get like an additional an additional action, um, but like they're all different. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah. it doesn't it it doesn't so much feel like you're getting progressively more powerful as it is. Okay, you invested all this stuff throughout the game now. In the last back quarter of the game, you feel much more powerful than you did at the beginning. It's weird. Yeah, they they largely went for a much more balanced action approach than a progressive RPG approach with this game, and that has both it has both its benefits and its detriments. Um, yeah. I just I just the the progression system is the thing that bothered me probably the most out of out of everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want to hear more about like the 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 gameplay of the of mass effect as a whole go listen to our mass effect one episode i here i don't we don't need to retread that ground just talk about the changes i think we pretty much covered all those changes. oh the other the other big change besides just like the general structure of like how the story is told and the mission structure versus just like being given like a couple objectives and going to explore them in any way you want um something I did like and did appreciate. And I know we, that I definitely brought up in the, in the first episode. Um, every side mission feels, uh, it feels unique mm-hmm. down to the map. The map is not the same for any, uh, for any side mission. They are, they are completely different, completely freshly generated maps. Whereas in the first game, they reuse the same map for yeah. every cave system. They reuse the same map for every, even sometimes planets, they reuse the same like basic map structure and terrain. Yeah. Um, and like every ship had the exact same layout. And it, I just didn't like that. I could stand mm-hmm. that this time. They, they definitely toned back how many side missions there are, but they're all so much more unique and interesting that I yeah, kind of didn't mind it as much. Quality over quantity. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jason, you really liked scanning and mining resources. Yes. Yeah, it was basically to me like fishing mini games in a lot of yeah. like our, a lot of like fantasy RPGs, like because it's essentially like the same idea, the same dopamine rush you get from but, finding but, the controller vibrating and you send it and you game, get a big. But this game doesn't have shit on near replicants fishing. Let's oh get my that god, straight. sure Let's get that straight. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I had I just had to real quick give Delilah nightmares. Um, but okay, I mean I enjoyed it at first, and then eventually it got old. I did never you... liked it. I didn't care. Yeah, I, it's. I just wanted I've... to get on with the with the game. Luckily, within the first half, I kind of got enough resources that I never really had to scan or mine again. Yeah, um, you get to that point. Yeah, so I I, I kind of stopped. I I would kind of just like look at a planet, scan it real quick to make sure it didn't have a uh, a side mission, and then I would just leave it. And just to get the one hundred percent up in the corner and yeah. move on. Um, I, guys... I, I hate that they had like for the first game. What I hated was like the little side things where you're like finding like I don't know a sorry writing and stuff like that. Like yeah. I, and this is like a completionist thing more so than the game because it's all optional. But it's just they added extra things that I just felt like took away from the game and like ruined the flow. And I felt like the mining also did but it seems like for like you jason or maybe for others as well like it's actually was like a nice little cathartic break or like was satisfying in some weird way 
I tell you, it's better than driving around in the Mako. That's very true. I, very I true. Like, I liked the Mako. The only like thing the I... I thought the Mako controlled really well, surprisingly, in the first game. Like, it actually controls better than the Warthog in Halo. Like, not to, like, throw any subs or yeah, anything. Yeah, we, t- we, we did talk about Well, that. I think they I think they also fixed it up from the original. Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, and I did kind of miss like seeing the different planets, like uh, like some of them had two moons, some of them were red. Like I don't know, that was kind of cool. And but at the end of the day, yeah, it was just busy work and it took a lot of time and it got really boring. Yeah. Um, did you guys go to uh, our solar system and go to Uranus? Yeah. No, I I actually like spent almost no time at like. Oh, I only did what I had to for missions on like the Citadel and I barely you, spent any time. If you go to Uranus and you go to launch a pro- you can't land on it, but you if you go to launch a probe, you know the computer that's always that's that that you know yes, probe yes. launched. Yeah, you launch a probe on Uranus and it says, "Really, commander?" <laughs> <laughs> and then you launch another one and it just like kind of says really defeated like probing uranus <laughs> yeah that's something we didn't talk about was uh ed or ed or eden whatever they talked a little things. bit about e- uh ED. but if you if you talk with like if you go and talk with joker on the normandy like you would with the other characters yeah it's basically like they always have a funny back and forth and there's actually a bit of a character growth between like a relationship that forms between the two. It's, it's interesting. And it obviously builds up to that sequence we talked about where you control Joker and and, she guides you. Yeah. And during that, I really like the line where she's just like, I really like watching humans on their hands and knees. And he's just like, yeah, that that was a joke. (laughs) It it was very well done. Comic relief. That's completely optional, but it's well worth your time. Yeah, definitely worth your time. Absolutely. Yeah, in the end, Edie was Edie was cool. I uh, I just wasn't really much to talk about with uh, Edie. Um, oh, the other thing I guess uh, th- that we didn't talk about was the some of the interactions that would happen between crewmates on the Normandy, like the fight between Miranda and Jack. And after you, if you get Legion and 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 complete re- uh, Legion's loyalty mission, uh, there's a situation between Tally and Legion where Legion was trying to send something yeah. and Tally thought that it was going to attempt to hack the, uh, the flotilla. Well, the thing with the thing with Miranda and Jack is actually part of, um, I mean, you have to do it either way, but it's part of the romance, like the decision you make there affects if you're trying to romance them. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't, um, I don't think it affects Jack. I think it more affects Miranda. Prob- probably not. The but... decision, the decision you make, Effects, is, I feel like you can romance Miranda. I, I feel like the game could have used more of those like kind of somewhat dynamic events that happen because like you know you're not the only people you know you are the only person that you see talking to your crewmates but you got to assume your crewmates are not just sitting there ignoring each other they're probably Yeah, it does. If there is a criticism, it does feel like um there isn't as much exploration of the character dynamics as there is individual characters in those self-contained stories. But something I did mean to bring up when talking about all these crew members is contrast with, and and I guess this is kind of part of the changes made from Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2, contrast to the first game, 
where you don't you're never really forced to talk to your crewmates at all you could like go the entire game without talking to them i love how much this game kind of incentivizes and practically forces you to get to know everybody yeah and and, and in order to ex- do their missions and explore their stories you kind of need to communicate and talk to them and i really really like that yeah um because it it it, le- it it lends much more to that you know that there's more personal uh singular stories rather than the whole arc overarching narrative I and not even just the party um there are side there are side quests there's one for chakwas uh dr yeah, chakwas getting her, getting her bottle of uh, brandy or whatever brandy there's one for the chef so he can cook good food mm-hmm. which those yeah. are pretty throwaway missions but the one with chakwas was cool because you you can open the bottle together and and like you see a whole a whole scene where they're like think... sitting there drinking and shooting the shit which is great I think that actually affects her outcome in the suicide mission. I might be wrong about that. Maybe I don't. But know. whether whether or not you do that mission, I think affects whether or not she dies. Could it could be? Yeah. Um, any other side missions that stood out? Mo- a lot of them were kind of, you know, especially the ones where you scan planets. Some of them were kind of cool. They were a little different. Like the ones that were didn't really involve combat were kind of neat. A lot of them involved, like, going around, you had to collect a bunch of different items for some random person, or maybe they needed, like, it was a sequence of things you had to do, and each time you unlocked another step. Um, I I didn't really engage with too much of that. There was, like, one where you had to rescue some random person's daughter. Um, I remember that was on Omega. Um, There were a bunch of little things, but none of them really stood out in any way, particularly. One that I really liked was on the Citadel, where this one guy was accusing Aquarian of stealing his credit chip, and you had to kind of clear the Quarian's name and like the 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 one uh uh what's what's Citadel what what's Citadel security C-Sec. called again? C-Sec. C-Sec, C-Sec. thank you Citadel security CSEC I'm I'm an idiot Jesus Christ <laughs> um. The one CSEC officer and the guy that's the the accuser, uh, they're like very clearly being like racist against the Quarian. Yeah, and, like you have to go and find the credit shit, and you find it in a completely different shop, and you bring it back, or like you you go and tell them like, yeah, it's at this store. Maybe next time you shouldn't be such a fucking asshole to just like immediately accuse this. Quar-. And like the CSEC officer was still like being like, uh, you didn't do it, but we're keeping a close eye on you. And it's like, why? They didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, leave them alone. And like, you, it, I thought that was a that that was a standout mission for me. But otherwise, most of them were kind of forgettable. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Delilah, you got any standouts there? You know, the Mass Effect two and three side missions are kind of melding at this point, so I don't want to say <laughs> okay. anything. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's fine. Um, okay. One thing I did want to say, though, regarding gameplay uh, is that these games shouldn't have insanity difficulty. And I know it was completely uh-huh. optional for me to do that, but it doesn't add like, you know, some games like when you play harder difficulties, it adds to the experience or I feel like it's the way the game's intended to be played with this game. You're just basically like using cover more effectively and like the enemies are tanks and i just feel like it takes away from the game so if you don't have to play insanity speaking speaking of which let me just say one thing on the cover whoever at bioware decided making the sprint and the cover button the same button 
should never fucking be allowed to work on a video it's, game ever again. It's the same way with Gears of War, though. It's yeah, it's it pretty. Yes, I and I hate that. Common. Oh, okay. I mean, because that's you're not just what me. Well, I, I guess uh, to be fair, uh, obviously I was being hyperbolic, trying to be funny. Yeah. But to be I fair, I think I think it has more to do with the layout of the arenas where you're doing the combat yeah. because when you're trying to sprint, you'll run into like a plateau where it's on different elevation or something you didn't expect to be able to take cover behind you. You'll accidentally hit cover when you didn't mean to do that. You also have to hit the same button to leap over the cover and you'll get into situations where you'll die just because you accidentally took cover or you were trying to take cover, but accidentally sprinted that sort of thing. Yeah. It's very sticky. I mean, I think my, my biggest issue with the, with the, uh, the cover system is just like, switching switching from uh, from cover to cover like if there's two walls right next to each other and there's like a gap in between going from one wall switching to the other you kind of have to detach move over and then reattach rather than like something like uncharted where it's very intuitive and very smooth and you're still kind of in like an invulnerability phase it's just it feel it does feel very clunky and and um yeah when it comes to difficulty I feel like it's such a common trapping for hard, harder difficulties where they just make you weaker, make enemies stronger. And that's yeah. not, that's not the sign of a good difficulty. And it's, you know? it's hard. It's hard to do difficulty with this game, these games, the series in particular, because the gameplay is almost secondary to yeah. the story and the choices you're making. Yeah. It's almost like they... there's a shooting gallery to break up a story beat. That's, mm-hmm how it feels sometimes yeah what i think what i think could have worked was like maybe in lower difficulties um give more skill points so like maybe on normal you could actually fully max out every skill but on the harder difficulties cut that in half so every skill point matters so much more and like maybe you can only apply skill points to max out two skills and the other ones basically are never used kind of make those decisions matter a little more rather than just buffing enemy health and lowering yeah. your damage output, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's so much easier to just do that than it is to think from a design perspective, what can we alter to make it more challenging without just doing the obvious? Yeah. Right. Like I think of, I think of something like resident evil seven, where the hardest difficulty in that game completely changed enemy layouts. And obviously you can't really do that with this game. The same doesn't really apply, but like, I mean, God of War did that though. God of War 2018 on harder on the hardest difficulty switched enemy encounters. So sometimes where you would have had an encounter on normal difficulty, there's no encounter there, or it's completely different enemy types. Um, to, to just kind of like switch switch things up on the player and 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 give difficulty and more of the, what the player is expecting rather than just changing some numbers. Yeah, I'm just like saying that for people like if like I think playing on insanity actually takes away from the game more than it yeah. I mean I could see it I could totally see it yeah uh, it's a it's a shame that I'm gonna have to do it one day for the trophies <laughs> yeah it's too bad it doesn't give you a fourth platinum <laughs> yeah that's uh, it is what it is um all right let's close this out with the DLC uh, some of this we can just plow right through some of it we're gonna yeah. talk through a little more so uh, the first the first one we can just talk uh, like you know kind of shrug off Normandy crash site it's there just, for nostalgia, yeah. 
Yeah, it, yeah, it was kind of cheesy. It was quick. It was painless. I didn't even realize it was DLC when I when I did it. I did it. It was one of the first things I did, and I thought it was just a side mission to do. Right. Turns out it was a DLC. Who would have thunk? Um, the Firewalker thing was a little more interesting. It was kind of like a replacement Ma- Mako. Um, yeah, had like a, some more interesting gameplay segments where you had to like mine certain resources and shit. I thought it was okay. Yeah. Nothing special or too interesting plot wise. Yeah. But here's where we start getting interesting. The Overlord mm-hmm. DLC with the Rogue VI. What did you guys think of that? I, for a significant chunk of that, I was like, oh God, another AI story. And then the twist. And then I was like, this might be one of the best pieces of story in the fucking game. Wow. In terms of char- in terms of like in terms of just like a, a small little episode. And so that that was this was where the the one guy was using his brother to kind of interact with this with this VI and he kind of got assimilated by it, right? Yeah, so his brother That's is basically, basically a, he's basically like a genius savant, but he has a he he's basically I don't know if you would consider it like on the spectrum, but he, he He's almost like Rain Man, like right. He he's, he's like very good with numbers. Yeah, he's he's like a mathematical genius, um, yeah. but is but is like he can't interact really with people socially. And basically, his brother just abuses him and turns him into this computer, this human computer. Yeah. It's really really sad to see exactly. Like it that. was yeah, and it was it was like it was painful to see him like when you inevitably do see him it was a very yeah. uh very tough thing to look at um they got like tubes sticking into his face and everything it was, it was rough oh, when, like it, when you start getting to the point where you're seeing the hollow projections of everything that happened and his brother before he became a machine like and yeah. you start to realize what is actually going on that's where like everything clicks and it turns on. I'm like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah. And I, I did think that was cool that that segment where you see everything like through like kind of like a different site. Um, it was a very cool way of a kind of uh, unra- unraveling that story until you, until you reach the culmination of it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I thought it was cool. Um, next up, we got Lair of the shadow broker, which does involve Liara. Um, like I said, Liara's just she's just on Ilium. You can go to interact with her without this DLC, but like she's involved with this DLC uh, pretty heavily, obviously. Uh, what did you guys think of of this? Um, I didn't particularly. I, I liked the story of the DLC. I yeah. didn't particularly like when you eventually do go to the layer of the Shadow Broker and this like ship. You you locate it and you have to fight your way on top of it. I didn't like the design of those arenas. It really annoyed me. Going the out way, on the ship and, and whatnot. Yeah, the way it's like angled, so like you can't see stuff coming, and it's hard to take. It's weird. It's hard to explain. I just I did not like the design of that. But everything else, including the boss fight, I enjoyed. And and the stuff that and the stuff that comes after with Liara um, that you get. Is that yeah. the one where you had to fight that really like? big enemy at the end yes in like a lair almost kind of. yeah yeah and, and you had to are, like 
Oh, sorry. You had Go to ahead. like lure. You had to like lure it into certain spots, and Liara would do like a thing to hurt it, right? Am I remembering that? Well, correctly? you can you can do that, or you could just do what I did and blast him down with heavy oh. weapons. Yeah. So anyway, I just started blasting. Got it. But yeah, Liara ends up becoming the shadow broker. Um, yeah, which I thought was a pretty yeah. cool a pretty cool note to end on. You know, is the, the shadow broker's dead? No one else has seen him, so she just kind of assimilates his position, and everything goes on. She now has access to this wealth of information. I thought that was really cool. And it also unlocks essentially like a secondary hub for you, yeah, where you can get additional equipment. You can also you can also do like intel missions. You can spend money to hire people to like fuck with other people in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I don't, yeah. I don't think I I saw that. I I did like the thing. I think it's that completely was where you could... it's completely menu based. So like okay. you don't okay. really see any tangible outcome other than the resources you get back from it. But uh, I, th- I think that layer was where you could read up like additional yep. dossiers on all your crewmates. The the only one that I read and probably the most entertaining of all was reading Miranda's dating uh, profile logs that she yeah. like, conversation she had with people on like a dating website. You can also I, go into that circle thing and look at all the cameras and watch like all yeah. your crewmates. Yeah. Which it, like it was very eerie, but it was really cool. Like it just like totally didn't expect that and thought it was really neat that they that they handled that with her character. Her character uh, largely evolved a lot from how she was in Mass Effect One, mm-hmm. where yeah. now she she's very. Um, but before she was just like very very scientific, very cordial, and now she's like. She's an information broker. She's a yeah. She's an, she's a player again in the underworld. Like right, kind of like, like the running theme of the game, and a very unexpected character to be doing that. And I thought, like, I think she's a pretty natural, surprisingly, a pretty natural fit for it. And um, if you continue with the dialogue options with her, uh, as I did, you can also invite her to have a date on the Normandy. Yeah, which... I, I did have. I did have a talk with her in Shepard's cabin, but like it didn't culminate in sex or anything. Cause at that point yeah. I decided I wanted to romance Tally and I didn't want I don't, anything to jeopardize that. I forget if I'm pretty sure you can have it. You can. Oh yeah. You yeah. can have it go to a romance. Yeah. Oh, well, unfortunately I wasn't able to, I don't know if you have to wait till the end, but I was pretty sad about that. Probably, probably because you didn't bang her in the first game. I think that monster. has something to do with it. Yeah. But, but she has the boyfriend in this game, but well, it's kind of like implied that there's somewhat yeah. of a relationship there. It's weird. Yeah. Um, and then the last DLC, Arrival, which my understanding is that this is basically the bridge between Mass Effect 2 to Mass Effect 3. And like you have like you have the one, uh, what's her name? Amanda something, I think. I yeah. remember already, even though I it, did this. It like, will change. Ago. The arrival one is kind of interesting because it changes a little bit depending on when you play it. So if you play it before you finish um, the suicide oh, yeah. mission, it it changes a little bit. Okay. How like did you do it before suicide mission? Or? Yes. So in the so in what? my original in my original run, I did it after. And basically, it's not terribly different. It's mainly just the ending. Instead of in the end, instead of talking with a reaper, if you do it beforehand, you talk with a collector. Oh, okay. Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, it's it's like it's my understanding. It's 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 like a gap 
bridger between Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3. It came out like right before Mass Effect 3 did, I think, and um, yeah, kind of acted as like a, a prelude almost to the beginning of Mass Effect 3, which I don't know what yeah. happened at the beginning of Mass Effect 3. It's hard to talk about this one because lore-wise... So maybe... It, why don't we... You, you almost can't talk about it without talking about Mass Effect 3 because it creates... Maybe... It's so controversial. Maybe, I'll just say that. Maybe we table the arrival discussion until the Mass Effect 3 episode. Can I uh, propose that you talk about it only right now? Uh, and me? then we'll okay. all talk about it. <laughs> oh, Mark. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, okay. So, so my, I guess my, my, like, from what I gathered, my perception of that DLC, which like, it was surprisingly a lot harder than like anything else in the base game or anything else in the game entirely yes like i guess and it's because it's, it's a solo mission like none of your crewmates are with you so no, like you are doing everything and everyone and you get a lot of those flamer flamer flamethrower oh enemies yeah yeah the pyros that just like if you get caught in a flame like you are you might as well just drop the controller because you're dead it's like what the fuck man that drove me nuts but yeah like that was a really hard mission and it was really interesting i like you kind of get baited into this seeing this reaper artifact and like you're captured and like i guess they that crew was kind of assimilated and indoctrinated to follow the reapers and uh i guess kill you or capture you or whatever and you ultimately like completely destroy this like entire system i think it was like mostly a, a batarian system yes. you kill all these people and like fuck my expectation is now Mass Effect 3 is going to open up on Earth with you being tried for wiping out that whole system. That's what I'm kind of expecting now. Don't confirm or deny that. That's just what I'm going to say I'm expecting now well, as someone that knows well, the important the, the important thing is that is how so how did you destroy the system? Uh I had it I had the ship collide with the Alpha Relay. Okay, so the what I'm trying to get at, out of you is you destroyed a, a Mass Effect relay. Yes, I destroyed the Alpha relay. I okay, had and that and you, with it, and that destroyed an entire system. The this yes. of like Batarians. Okay. Yes, and it was you know it was because you know I'm trying to our, prevent our the next from getting there faster. I'm trying to I'm trying to end on a cliffhanger, way. folks, for our next episode. Oh man. <laughs> Don't worry. At the before he said that, did you did did I hear you say this is great after I finished like talking a bunch of shit yeah. or saying a bunch of shit? Great. Yeah. Fuck. I'm glad that I proposed uh. that. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so I was like, yes. <laughs> you're that you're that sicko's meme of the guy at the window. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I think that basically covers Mass Effect 2. Um, is there anything else we wanted to talk about before we wrap this bad boy up? Garrus's romance was really awkward and it was freaking hysterical. Oh, did you romance Garrus? I didn't even ask. Yeah, yeah, we should have. We were too focused. We were too focused oh. on my my uh, my like playboy sensibilities. Your your sexcapades. Yeah. Yeah, he was oh just God. like really awkward. Like, oh, like I, I gotta figure out. Like, kind of like Tally a little bit. Like, I gotta figure out like how humans and and us can like. But I'll make it happen. And then he like gives you flowers and like dances really awkwardly and it like doesn't look like good 
It's it's really uh, good. It's really good. When I when I go and do my second my my insanity playthrough as a female renegade, I am so gonna romance Garrus. I'm so Hell excited yeah. about this now. I I did think the romance scene like it was very abrupt. I feel like they they took the they took the controversy surrounding Mass Effect One to heart a lot. At least for Tally, that you really don't see anything. Like it is very. She like pushes you onto the bed, gets on top of you, and then it's like it fades to black. Which I I, I didn't like that because the whole like build up to that was her finding a way to like be able to take off the suit, and you like and you don't really see the culmination. I of that, I, yeah. I wanted I wanted the reveal of what what she actually looks like underneath it. That would have like yeah. made it kind of more and impactful. I think- I think I actually do know that, like you, that you do get to see that in Mass Effect Three in some capacity. I don't know um, what you're talking about, man. Okay, well, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. Um, all right, whatever. I guess I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I'll bleep it out. I'll, I'll think about it when I go to edit. Did you just anyway. spoil the game without having played it? Come on, Mark. <laughs> all right. Anything else we want to say before we wrap up? Great game, man. Um, so yeah, the, really great game. Oh, Quasniki rating, yeah. Let's yeah, go. The, let's the official Quasniki rating. I give this game a ah fuck it. I'll just give it a, a eight out of ten. What? Um, an eight, eight out of ten. Uh, Omnigel packs. It uh, because despite eight out of the ten f- of the thing that aren't in the game. despite despite my frustrations with like the actual it's so weird because normally i'd be like thinking well yeah i really liked the story i enjoyed it um despite minor flaws i have with that it does have my main hiccups would or hang-ups would all be with the actual gameplay but i just really almost don't care because for me these games are not about the gameplay it's basically like a shooting gallery and it's it's competent. It does what it needs to do Agreed. to get you from point to beat to beat. And in a way, the actual role playing to be found in the majority of these games, the choices that you make, that's kind of, to me, the real game. And I think we barely said anything negative about this game. It has some of like, the best storytelling ever, like of all video games. It, it yeah. really is like like watching a season of like Star Trek back in the day, which is what it was meant to be in its inception. Like, I mean, you think about we, we we've gone on for like two hours and forty minutes, and like most of that was talking about the story and the characters and the writing, and like yeah, that's kind of why we barely said anything bad because all that stuff is really fucking good. It's so good. Um. But like if we it, like, and we skipped the things that were kind of bad because, well, we kind of talked about them before and they've been iterated on. They've been changed uh, uh, here and there. But like overall, they have. And when you think about it, there's very when you think about it, there's very little actual combat in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there isn't much. Uh, comparatively speaking. Yeah, it is much more talking and conversing and and navigating which i think is ultimately a good thing like yeah it's not it's not not a bad thing um okay i I don't remember what you gave mass effect one neither do i i should have watched 
that video before we talked yeah, about I, this. I was I, I started listening back to it before, but I didn't get to finish it before we recorded. But so. That's the story with every episode. I don't go back and yeah. it, whenever we do something with a sequel, I forget to listen. So I might have rated it higher. <laughs> I might have said I might have said it was better, but then rated it lower. Who knows? It's the Kwasniki rating. OK, it's in fully objective. In, ter- in, in time for Mass Effect 3, I will have listened back and I'll make note of Jason's scores uh, to cool. see how they all, how the whole trilogy uh, averages out. Um, okay. Delilah, what are you doing? What are you working on? I'm just, I just finished GTA San Andreas on Twitch um, and okay. thus concluding my entire trilogy, uh, the definitive edition. Um and I'm going to be streaming, like, random shit on Twitch.tv slash Assassin's And I'm reacting to all of the summer showcases on YouTube, so. Nice. There you go. There you go. Maybe, maybe, perhaps uh, a bonus episode is in our and your future. Yeah. But if there's things worth talking about, I think we'll yeah. do one. Yeah. I mean, if, if, like, Elden Ring 2 gets announced, like, that's not worth talking about. Like, we, we can skip it. But if, like, something else gets announced. What's the name in... Since you you're t- you were playing San Andreas, what's the name of the big guy with the glasses again? Smoke. Smoke, yeah. Smoke. Oh, best best. I don't want to say it because it's a spoiler. Smoke's best guy, best one of the best characters ever. Five number nines, two number yeah. threes, <laughs> yeah. Second number forty fives. Yo, San Andreas, man, that's PS two days. That takes you back. Yeah. Oh shit! Here we go again. Takes you back. Um, back in the day. Right, so go go follow Delilah uh, on on the streams and the Twitters and shit. Uh, Thank you. What am I? Uh, what, am, what am I fucking doing? Oh yeah, I write a I write a newsletter for uh, from Gamers Magazine uh, every every Friday. It hits your inbox. Uh, you can go to fromgamers.net slash newsletter to sign up for that. I've been changing it up a little bit recently. This this last one, I it wasn't just like my top five news stories. It was like a few news stories kind of more concise and i actually wrote a mini review for mass effect 2 so nice um since i had just beaten it at the time that i wrote that so yeah uh changing things up with a with a with a showcase season coming up you know non-e3 but still kind of like the same spirit i'll be talking a lot about the announcements and how everything goes so go subscribe to that check it out uh i have fun doing it and then uh jason you doing anything no, I I am nowhere and everywhere at once. I may or may not be the real world shadow broker. Who knows? <laughs> oh God. Okay. Uh, you can follow uh, me on Twitter at Nibblehymian. You can follow Delilah on Twitter at Assassina underscore San. You can follow Jason on Twitter at Solid Claws, but don't follow him. He's not. He doesn't do anything. He forgets. Do they ever? Does it ever just expire if you don't do anything on it? No, I think that shit will last forever until you get rid of it. <sighs> It is, it is just like uh, uh, forever immortalized. Um, you can follow Dead Cell Media on Twitter at Dead Cell Media. I always forget about that. We have a Facebook group too. You can go join that, Dead Cell Media. Just find, you know, search it, you'll find it. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe as yes. everybody ends the videos on. Leave those comments. We love to read it. We love to interact with you guys. We yes. love the hate and the love that you give us doing doing more of that too been interacting with people in the comments of the of the video versions of the show so like yeah if you if you watch on youtube like subscribe comment tell us what you like tell us what you don't like yell at us about our 
uh, not knowing what an Ardat an Ardat Yakshi is, you know. Quisaharak. We didn't dig enough into the lore. How dare we cover this game without learning what an Ardat Yakshi is? For shame. Bro, you, you didn't read the novels, man. <laughs> if you listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, please rate and review the show. Five stars preferred. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. It really, really helps. It not only does it help visibility for the show and for the show to grow and spread, it also just helps me feel better. That it helps our egos. It makes us feel yeah. better about ourselves on a daily basis. Exactly. Exactly. So please, please, please rate and review five stars preferred. Let us know. Uh, share the show with your parents, with your uh, kids, with your pets, with your friends. I can't believe friends is the last one I said there. Good Lord. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically all I got. And uh, the next video game that we're covering is what, Delilah? Mass Effect 3. Mass Effect 3. We're finishing the trilogy. We oh, are just going to roll right through it. What a conversation it's going to be. Oh, I'm excited. I'm I'm looking forward to this one, guys. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll see you, you know, next month, either with Mass Effect Three or uh, a bonus episode. I haven't decided yet. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But look forward to Mass Effect Three, that's coming out in the future. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye bye now.